test that out one more time, testing, testing. And welcome, welcome to, to the New Age Boxing, Boxing Podcast. Podcast. With me, your host, Andy White. <laughs> Synchronicity, baby. Welcome to the News Button Podcast with me, Andy White, and with me today, uh, Mr. Martin Theobald. How we doing? And Mr. Terry Chapandama. Yeah, and let's let everyone know we're here live, live, live in the flesh, socially distanced, podcasting. Just about, I think. I've still, I've still got my face covering just in case. I it gets stole a bit hot. two of those like plastic shields from the co-op, so there's now like exposed shop assistants, but we're safe. So yeah. it's fine. That's the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. I can't actually see you because even though those sheets are clear, there's so many of them that you've stolen from so many co-ops. Yeah, you're actually it. like really, really faint. So props to you, mate. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people out there, a lot of risk, but you're not. I'm not. I'm fine. Plus Terry's got a mask. So. And, and to be fair, we've been here all week in a bubble. You know, being tested <laughs> on a daily basis. Yeah, that's true. You know, no, no one was seen in Cardiff when they were supposed to be in the bubble. Like David <laughs> I heard one of the shows. I'm not going to tell you which one. I know someone who was involved in one of the shows. I won't even tell you which promoter that said the whole bubble experience was a total, utter load of bollocks. Like a facade of, look, everyone's in this bubble. Everyone has to live within this bubble on whichever floors of the hotels. And that doesn't narrow down which promoter we're talking about because both of the main ones had hotels. Um... And they were like, nah, as soon as the cameras were off, like they were out on the piss and they were... <laughs> like they what, were... full Mason Greenwood, Phil Foden? Uh, I don't know if anyone came back, but as far as I know, like as soon as the cameras were turned off and, you know, you didn't have to show that everything was going on as we're told it was, then people just left and went <laughs> shopping, they went to the bars, they went to restaurants, everything. Oh, well, who would have thought British boxing would be taking the piss out of the public? Yeah, so. well, shocker. <laughs> that's not the most shocking thing I've ever heard about boxing. And I don't know if that's the case for both major promoters. Well, was... I don't know anything about this. You've never told me anything about it. No. I can categorically say, yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was an absolute sham for every... I guarantee... Yeah. I mean, I've no evidence to back that up, but I can guarantee that no one would have stuck to anything and there would have been little... It's from what I can see, I think back. the Americans did it better. I think the Americans took it a bit more serious. What, just like the rest um, of America? Just having, no, no, just having spoken to a couple of guys I know who are involved, and I want to try and pick Greg Hackett's brain, because I know Greg, Greg's done two or three bubbles over this period, so it be interesting to see what he says about it. But I think they just treated it a little bit more seriously than the Brits. But we're a piss-taking nation anyway, aren't we? Yeah, I mean, you're also a lot more likely to get shot in America if you go outside of a bubble, so... Yeah. <laughs> Take your chances. Go outside of you? anywhere, frankly. Yeah, exactly. Like, might as well get outside of it. Bang! I only went out for a pint of milk. 
There's been no intro. The thing is, we haven't done this for how long? Uh, well, I was here. Us three over a year. In person. It's got to be a uh, like in person. Be about oh, eighteen months, hasn't it? No, not that much. But maybe I don't know. fourteen. Don't know. When did you announce your retirement? Uh, July, July, June. We should have had Undertaker music coming back in, shouldn't we? Oh, Wait, it's not too late. Yeah, <laughs> bong, <laughs> bong, and Terry Chapandama. Should I just sit up again? It's like I'm ready. <laughs> but the worst thing is think about how much he's stored up for all of this. Oh, like a sure like a monk going in for sex. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to say that, but I think boxing slowly deflated me in 2020. It's just like it. Do you know? Do you know when you see heroin addicts and and he's going to play with my microphone, just shove it in my face. Going, oh yeah, right, right in there. Go get on, it keep right wiggling in it in his mouth. Get it right in there. Ah, ah, ah! Look what he's doing with his hands. Ah, right there. Okay, didn't have to twist, but okay. You happy now? Yeah, I just, I think I'm getting more sound out of you. Oh, does this count as a happy ending now? Oh, baby, that's good. You have to pay extra. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's perfect. Thank you. No, I think boxing's just deflated me because you know when you see a heroin addict. And eventually they run out of places to inject. I think boxing is like that in terms of <laughs> shooting itself in the foot. There's just no foot left. Like you're just just blasting out the ankle now and the Achilles tendon. It's... Well, I, I mean, not that I'm an expert on this, but I can't imagine that the last place you start injecting is your feet. Uh, I mean, I mean, I think the analogy's got a bit messed up there. Like shooting kind of covered into guns there of shooting yourself in the foot whereas I was yeah. still on a heroin addict wavelength <laughs> yeah. yeah like but if you are shooting into yeah. like the metatarsal then you're you're a proper addict at that point yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's true and, I and look if you look at boxing you, you almost like at no point has someone said we've had a terrible couple of years like drug abuse basically shafting the fans giving them terrible fights let's use this lockdown just to get our house in order you know give Frank his due as genuine or disingenuous as it was at least Frank said, my guys v your guys. And all of a sudden, boxing fans went, oh, okay, I see the sense in this. I would pay for this. That's what boxing fans said. No. I would no, pay for this. No, no. I think sensible boxing fans went, <clears throat> nah, that ain't happening, Frank. You're, like, Don't get sued. That seemed like a reflection <laughs> upon the fact that maybe BT weren't happy with the numbers. That seemed like maybe the shows weren't going as well as hoped. That seemed like maybe... You know, it was a good opportunity to have their name put into different stories rather than being it about how many people watch the BT shows. Is actually, we're going to do us versus Sky. Whereas anyone with a sensible mind went, no, you're not. Like, you don't go from stopping Chris Jenkins going onto a, a Sky show, you don't go from that within the space of no time whatsoever, suddenly talking about having an entire one card versus the other card. Yeah, that doesn't you know, happen. You know, you know where, is, like? where is the time for the marinating? That's, the, <laughs> that's what I want to know. about the last eight years. <laughs> no, but if, if you think about what boxing's like, boxing is genuinely like, like two kids scrapping and you've got two parents either side just kind of watching going, really, we're the adults here. We should intervene. Uh, we're not going to intervene. Because I sit there and I go, and 
and I know people like to go, oh, he's just talking out of his ass, but I know, I know on the BT side and the Sky side, I know the guys who do the strategy, not the sports stuff, the guys who do the strategic plans for the year, right? And I asked him the same question. Doesn't anyone just sit down with Eddie and go, you got to make certain fights happen? And doesn't anyone sit down with Frank and go, Frank, come on, like... <laughs> Frank, I don't know a lot about boxing, but I know there's a guy called Yard and there's a guy called Boatsy. And one of these two is the best light heavyweight we've got in this country. And it might make sense to find out who's number one. Fans <laughs> love it when we can debate who is who. But <laughs> also, you, you think history would teach lessons. So you had Crawler and Flanagan. You always refer back to the middleweights, the yeah. four that sat around the table. But we can roll it even nearer than that. And the Crawler Flanagan, they went to the same school. They grew up in the same area. They're the same weight. They were both holding world championships. And yet they still didn't manage to get them to fight. Like, how can you fuck it up so often, so consistently, down the same route? How? But do you know what it is? Rule number one in boxing. The aim of people in boxing is to find non-boxing people with money and just take their money from them without giving anything back. That is what boxing is really all about. Look how many people have lost their shirt getting involved in boxing. Just because they... Look, the owner finding this out the hard way, aren't they? If you have a, if you have a bucket load of money, you get, you get sold a dream, you get strung along for ages until you realise, actually, they're not going to give me what I want. By then, you're probably a quarter of your net worth down. The only plus side to that is they said there was a billion. Looking at those Hearn shows, they've spent about a million. So, <laughs> oh, so that McCaskill most... show, that Breakers McCaskill show. <laughs> so they get most of their money back. Yeah, yeah. There's very little that's been sunk. Why? Why would of just something that's popped into my head there? Why would the zone have a problem with like uh, Canelo taking the two fights that were on offer, which was what Callum Smith and Billy Joe Saunders? Well, okay, well, we're in the deep end straight away. Oh wow. Oh okay. So, so there's Do something. Save this no. for later. No, 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 no. no, no. You know, we we're an open book yeah. today because I don't. I okay, don't really so understand. I mean, is it just because people don't know who so, they are in America? So your question is, um, why did the zone turn down Callum Smith and Billy Joe Saunders for Canelo? And their wording was within the con. So this goes into a whole different question now because it's about the legal. Yeah. Um, and Terry did a podcast about this. I go back and listen to the Highfield Boxing podcast release yesterday. Brilliant work. Well done. Um, but this goes into the legal aspect yeah. of it around um, them being. Is it the wording elite? Um, premier opponents. Premier opponents. That's the word. And they're not premier opponents. There right. were two names that were given that Canelo was allowed to fight. One of them was Oscar De La Hoya, his promoter. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one was, was it Khabib? The MMA guy. Not even Golovkin. <laughs> no, the two premier opponents that were selected that he was allowed to fight were an MMA guy, so you get that crossover. Yeah. Uh, it might have been Khabib, might have been someone else, I'm not sure. Or Oscar De La Hoya, his 46-year-old promoter. Well, and they were the only two opponents that they would have accepted. As a premier opponent. Now, the problem they had was there's no benchmark for a premier opponent because if you go on past behavior, they've approved Kovalev and they've approved uh, Danny Jacobs. You know, well, just on those two, just in the last year, they approved um, Kovalev and they approved Danny Jacobs and that one Canelo fighter of the year. So if if you're saying we approve those because we consider those to be a premier, I don't see how you can then back down and say you get less money for Billy Joe. And that's Canelo's argument. On what basis is Billy Joe a step down from Danny Jacobs and Sergei Kovalev? I needed to pull you up because your podcast, you talked to, just prove I do listen to him, by oh. the way. Um... 
Don't ask me for proof. <laughs> <laughs> you not said, this week, anyway. You said on there about Callum Smith not being at that level. Nah, I'm not having that. Like, yeah. having just won the World Boxing Super... I say just. All right, he won the World Boxing Super Series. He retired George Groves. He's got that WBC diamond belt, whatever it is. Like, he's a recognised world champion, more so in my view than Billy Joe at super middleweight. Agreed, but if you look at what Premier is and from what DeZone is saying, Premier is not necessarily just about your CV. It's about, can you bring a nation with you? Yeah, can you bring 46-year-old cross-dressing former coke addicts with you? Yeah. <laughs> Who <laughs> what, doesn't what, want no, to Oscar see that? Oscar De La Hoya, <laughs> No, but... And so, so Canelo had that problem. And then Canelo was like, okay, if, if we're having this problem, I will do my mandatory, right? Because surely my contract permits me to do mandatories for no other reason than Wrong, I'm committed yeah. to them. <laughs> yeah. So then DeZone were like... Nah, you Only if your mandatory is an MMA fighter, mate. Yeah. And so... What you essentially have here is a problem. Canelo will never get 36 million guaranteed from any other broadcaster, any other promoter. That contract for Canelo is pretty sweet, right? It's a pretty sweet contract. DAZN need Canelo. Canelo leaves, Golovkin leaves. Everyone leaves because Canelo's the money man. So you go wherever he is. So DAZN need Canelo. Canelo needs that contract because that's still a good chunk of money he's got there. What they don't need, what neither guy needs is Oscar. Oscar seems to be the like I said, boxing likes to separate people with money from their money. Oscar seems to be a guy that's trying to take the money out of the zone and control everything. And now I've said this for a long time. I don't see why you don't have a tripartite agreement in boxing, right? So if I'm an Anthony Joshua, and I think Joshua has done this, I sign with Sky, they're my broadcaster, and it's a three-way contract, and Hearn also signs, right? But Hearn is subservient to Sky. So if Hearn left, you'd still be with Sky, if that makes sense. That's the contract that they should have got with Canelo. From what I gather now, Canelo was kept completely in the dark to the point where he still hasn't seen the contract that Golden Boy signed with DAZN. And he is essentially Golden Boy, if you see what I mean. It, it's, it's an absolute disaster. Um, I mean, what kind of idiot would sign a contract without reading it? Carl Frampton. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Well, look, I imagine, imagine the contract was in English and Canelo just resolutely refuses to learn English. But yeah, just because I'm ginger, I say what I have <clears> to learn. You know, I don't think so, my friend. The whole thing's a mess, isn't it? It's, um, okay. I don't know, because how much was he guaranteed? Was it three, $350 million across? 365 over 11 fights. Yeah. So you're looking at, what, call it 32, $33 million per fight. Yeah. I, look, I've never read the contract. I haven't got a clue about it, but... Well, at least you and Canelo are on the same boat. <laughs> <laughs> but if I've got a contract that says, Martin, you're going to get paid X amount per month for your job, then I'm anticipating I'm going to get X amount per... Unless there's a clause in there that says, in the case of a pandemic, you will only get 50% of that. Yeah. Like That money from the zone should be guaranteed. The money from the gate receipts is an entirely yeah. separate entity. In case of a pandemic, you have to fight your promoter. <laughs> but no, no, but let's be honest. You're like, yeah, all right, that's fine. That's never going to happen. I'll take it. No, but, but, but the, the three people on planet Earth had what I call gifts from God in terms of contracts, right? Canelo, Mesut Ozil, Gareth Bale. 
had just contracts from God because they can literally just go, look, this is what I'm entitled to. Ozil does this. I don't know where Ozil's been for the last four or five weeks. I doubt he even trains. He's definitely not going to kick another ball for Arsenal. Yeah. And so he's just saying like 350 grand a week. He's probably texting Winston Bogard going, <laughs> beat that Winston. <laughs> and Winston's just at home proud, just crying. Like, or he's texting Gareth going, why are you, why are you bothering Yes. This, this is brilliant. I've been furloughed for ages on full pay. <laughs> I was furloughed before it was cool. <laughs> Why are you bothering playing again? Yeah, so if I'm Canelo, I'm, what, what I would be doing, and I, I don't think he wants a problem with the zone. I think this is one of those things where he needs to sit down with the zone and he needs to be honest and say, I'm the number one guy in the sport right now. And that comes with certain rights and privileges. And the zone have to accept that. And then they need to go, right, so how are we going to map out the next three or four fights? And I think they can get a deal that way. But you've got to move Oscar out the way because I think Canelo's at that age now where Floyd was kind of going his own way. I think that's where Canelo needs to go now. Yeah, but if you break it down to his most basic entity, Canelo wants to get in the ring and fight. That's yeah. what it comes down to. I doubt he gives a shit whether it's shown on HBO, on Showtime, on Zone. I doubt he really cares how many people are watching it. You know, people laugh at the zone for having, I don't know, 100,000, 200,000, 500,000, a million. I've no idea. Subscribers. I doubt he really cares. Once he steps through those rings on fight night, I doubt he cares if there's 10 people watching or if there's 10 million watching. As long as he's still going to get paid the same when he steps out of the ring, why would he give a toss? So for him, like, as long as he's got someone that's broadcasting it, so his fans back in Mexico can watch it, as long as he's getting paid... I doubt he cares where it's on. Why would you sign a, a, such a long contract? Because you, if you know, what, if you're Canelo or if you're Canelo, I'm just thinking what Canelo would have thought. You'd have thought that he's basically priced already priced his ninth year fights. Yeah, okay, but say he lost to Danny Jacobs, and then say he lost. You know that was a one-off, and then he went and fought Kovalev, and he lost that. You suddenly lost two fights and a lot of your market value plummets at that point. I get that. Whereas actually, his market value is secured for the next... Yeah. He's bought ahead. He's bought ahead of the market. Yeah. He's gambled that the boxing market will only c- contract over time. And so this is the best contract you're going to get. It's, it's like footballers now. Like it's not if, a bad shout, to be fair. Yeah, if, if you're getting 400 grand a week now on, and you've got a five-year contract, you're laughing because you know the football rights are going to start dropping off now because people are going to look the pandemic's wiped us out we can't do the deals we did before so it's just going to be less money going around so those guys with those like those Mesut Ozil contracts those Gareth Bale contracts they may become a thing of the past TV companies going look guys the pandemic's wiped us out with everyone locked down in their houses watching TV all day we've had nothing to we've had no money coming in the door wait a minute surely you've had record profits Mate, the pandemic. So, 50 quid for the rights for the next six months? But, you know, it's like Porky said in this title. Can you imagine these elite level guys on ticket deals? You know, world-class footballers on ticket deals. Like, No, but that's the, wrong, that's the wrong model that he's talking about. Because those guys would be the equivalent of your Joshua's that have come through the GB setup. You know, Messi was never... Uh, you know, a low-key talent. He was always no. top, 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 brought through at 17 into the Barcelona first team. You know, he was the equivalent of a Joshua, a Lomachenko. 
there's, there's no comparison. Joshua there. was selling tickets though. Those early fights. No. Yeah. No, he wasn't. Joshua was selling tickets. He would have been on a purse. Uh, no, no, no. As he wasn't headlining the O2 on his debut. No, no, no. On a no, ticket no, no, deal. No, no, no. This is this is true. So, from what I heard, he he put money into Kevin Mitchell's brother's funeral because Kev's mum used to sell tickets on behalf of Joshua. Joshua used to get given a lump of tickets when he was on his way up. Like, mate, go out and sell some tickets. For no other reason than just get used to it so you know what it's about. Like, obviously, you're on your, you know, <laughs> he signs a contract which says, we're going to give you some money. But then, there you go. Want to make some more money? Go and sell some tickets. Okay. Well, that makes sense. But, like, yeah. there will still be a base purse that he's getting that mm. will be significantly more than most boxers would ever earn, I'd suspect. No, you, not that great. Even but most he, boxers won't earn decent money out of the sport. Absolutely. So one of the things I find interesting, and we're going to come on to this individual in a second, on a per-round basis, <laughs> you know, John, John Pilata earns more than the individual we're going to come and discuss. Which individual? Do you want to take it off now? Fuck, we'll go. All right, all right here we, we go. We just need to address the whole Sonny Edwards thing. Okay, so you and can I'll I, be honest with you. I don't know where it's come from. I was right? going to start as my first question. What's the genesis of so, the so, beef? So I don't know where this has come from. So number one, you have to understand who Sonny Edwards is. I met Sonny Edwards at the ABAs when he was young. Young kid, fine. And so he sent me a friend request on Facebook. I accepted it. So he'd been on my friends list for a while. It's not really anything neither here nor there. You're Charlie's little brother. We knew you when you were just a little scamp running around when we were talking about maybe Charlie might be the real deal. No one ever gave a second thought to the kid. Now, I've seen Sonny, do, do you know what I mean, try and basically bully young kids. And this is what this whole conflict's brought to light. A lot of young kids, amateurs, a couple of kids boxing out of Bletchley, um, couple of kids boxing at a Hockwell ring, like local kids to you guys, right? Yeah. Messaging me going, Sonny's bullied me. He's tried to humiliate me, embarrass me. And these kids aren't even 20. So I have a real issue with that. Like take my personal feelings out of it. When you're a pro boxer and you're doing that, you're a scumbag, right? Who the ones at Bletchley? Because I know the guy who runs Bletchley. Oh, I think I'll <clears> in a sec. But just these young kids and they're telling me the stories about how Sonny's humiliated them on Instagram live and stuff, digging up old photos of them. You know, but he has a standard modus operandi, right? I ignore this because quite frankly, like, I don't give two shits. But I like the fact <coughs> that we started off and people used to say we were trolling boxing and now boxing's trolling us. <laughs> and I love, I love that turnaround. But I'm gonna, look, I don't want to give him too much oxygen, but you got to think about it like this. And this is how I think. When you're called Sonny, you weren't planned, right? Bottom line, you weren't planned. <laughs> okay? Wow. So you could take shots at me, but you weren't planned. Charlie probably was. You got a proper name. Like they invested time. They called you Charlie. Charles, maybe. But definitely you had a name. Sonny, look at you. Man. You're like, even now, you wouldn't give a woman a bump if they gave birth to you. You probably just fell out and they were like, oh, shit, how did this happen? What are we going to call him? You wouldn't give a woman a bump. Yeah, like, how, what, what, what do we, what, it was literally, what do we call him? Uh, 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 Sonny. Imagine you're at the registry office. Like, what are you going to call the kid? Sonny. We, we, Sonny. Yeah, well, we didn't really want it, but we will give him a fucking name, haven't we? Uh, whatever. And that's why I don't really address it. So in summary, like, he wasn't even expected in his own house. So I can't give him oxygen in my house. So, you know what I mean? He can get the fuck out of here. Nice. So, no, I tick, again, look, I, tick off the agenda. I know you don't want to give any oxygen to it, and that's absolutely fine. Like, I respect that. Danny Connor, on the other hand. Right, okay. <laughs> oh. Danny Connor, on the other hand. Danny. Now, we've been at the same show. We've commentated with Danny Connor. Yeah, and wh what did he say to me then? 
But see, Danny's no, been chipping away for a long time. Danny's very slick at taking these little shots. And then when I see him and I say, Danny, please just say something now. Yeah? Just t- say, say to me what you've been tweeting. Oh, mate, you know, I'm just having a laugh and that. You know, you, you throw a little something out there. I throw a little something out there. And I'm like, all right, then you little pussy. As long as you understand that you're a little pussy. And I've, I've, I've done this to him. I did it to him at York Hall, man. Remember when he brought his kid down? And yeah. he was just fat and overweight. And I stuck it on him then. And he humbled. That's when he was meant to be fighting K Prosper. Yes. And, he was, and you saw the shape he was in. Yep. And then Steve saying, eh, cross that one off. And then when we see him at Fitzroy Lodge, he's in the sweatsuit. And he's like, ah, ah, ah. And I'm like, Danny, what's your problem with me? Man, we're just having a laugh and that. Nah, 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 nah. Because deep down, you see, Sonny, I can give a bit of ignorance to because I don't really know Sonny up close and personal. But there's a few guys in Sheffield that want to have a word with them. So that's why I'm not really addressing that because those guys have that under control. Danny Connor sees me train. At any time when Danny Connor has a problem with me, he can go, look, T, we're in a gym now. You get some gloves on, I get some gloves on. Cool. Danny knows. He sees how the bag moves. He knows. <laughs> like when they were choking him up in Raptors and they had him crying, when they were just bullying him in Raptors, yeah, that's when you realize who he is, man. I just, he's, Sonny Edwards is an idiot, but he's a 24-year-old idiot. He'll grow out of it, like his brother did. Remember Charlie used to be like this on social media. He was quick to jump down people's throats. And then Charlie lost and Charlie realized there's more to life. And he met, I think his partner's called Christine, wonderful woman, did well for himself. There you go, Mr. and Mrs. Edwards, congratulations. You raised a good kid with Charlie. But with Danny... <laughs> with, Why do I feel this is literally just to tee up something else? Not really. It, it genuinely is. But for, for someone like Danny Connor, like Danny can't go back to Nottingham because he's, he was talking shit about Carl Froch. Froch wants to see him. Danny can't go to certain gyms in London because he's been talking so much shit about people. That's why you kind of see him and no one really goes up to him and goes, all right, mate. Danny doesn't have a lot of friends in boxing because he pisses people off. And he's been hiding from Craig Wyatt for about three or four years because he was disrespectful to him too. That's why the the Danny thing, I just think he's a little rat, he's a little scumbag because Danny's had opportunities to pull me up on whenever he wants to pull me up on. But that's not who he is. Danny's just too thick to realise he's... He's storing trouble up for himself. But this is what I mean, though. Like, when you become irrelevant in boxing, you become mad at the people in the boxing media because you're like, why are they getting attention? Why are they getting interest? Why are people retweeting their stuff when I put my life on the line? And Danny did, and Sonny does. I put my life on the line. And I'm not getting the same level of love and respect. But like I say, I've said this to Danny Connor before. He has a role to play in boxing. We have a role to play in boxing too. Because if we didn't, no one would listen to us. Right? No one might listen to us. It's been 14 months. <laughs> no, but so, so that's, that, that's the reality of it. Those two guys, they're, they're clowns. That's what they are. They're genuine clowns. Danny thinks he's boxing's policeman. Sonny thinks he's boxing's hard man. Like I said, the motherfucker wasn't even planned. So, I mean, off. Well, I, I, don't, I, always find I don't know that, anything about him. What weight is he? Uh, <laughs> he's one of, one of those little ones listen is he an adult baby adult yes baby, yeah. right you could put him next to an eighth of weed yeah and he'd probably <laughs> drown in that bag uh do you know what like i don't have an issue with sonny edwards whatsoever like the geezer doesn't know me i don't know the geezer um but i find sonny edwards is a phenomenal talent to 
to watch him, he's a bag of skills. And it, it reflects what you said in your podcast. I can't remember which one it was. Uh, or was it a chat with Porky, maybe? Can't remember. He's a bag of skills. He's talented against other little people around Britain. But he's... <laughs> I've never watched a full Sonny Edwards fight, no. ever. And I never will, I suspect. Because it's exactly what you said the other day. Um, I pointed at Terry there, clearly not Andy. Um, <laughs> in that if you're that far above your opponent and you don't bother trying to take them out, then as a boxing fan, I don't want to bother watching you. Yeah. Like, it's no interest to me. So Sonny Edwards, carry on being on Sonny Edwards. But... To be the best of the, whatever it is, three stone five division in Britain or whatever it is they weigh. Like, I don't I don't care. It's like being Zhang Zhilei and being the best heavyweight in China. Yeah, if like, you... I could be a Chinese heavyweight, turn over tomorrow, and I'd be in their top ten immediately. Just... And that's true. <laughs> that's true. Literally, the only thing standing in your way is being Chinese. But well, I can sort that out. <laughs> but also, Probably. the other thing is, people don't really understand what Sonny Edwards' role is like. You gotta understand, number one, the guy barely makes a living in boxing, right? That he, if he even hits ten grand for a fight, it's a miracle. That's the reality. And, and if people say, Oh, do you know that? I've been close to some of the negotiations he's had with other people. So I know the numbers that go so around. So this was one of the things that you and him had a falling out about, wasn't it? Was that you said he earned five grand a fight. And he was like, Ha, I haven't earned that since my first fight or whatever. Like <laughs> I haven't got a clue. For the for the recording, Terry rolled his eyes. <laughs> I haven't got a clue where Sonny Edwards earns fights, but I, I, I've seen the numbers that were talked about at British level for Sonny Edwards. So around the Tommy Frank kind of fight and stuff like that. Yeah, that and and a couple of others that were proposed. And your girlfriend's clearly the breadwinner. Bottom line, like that's. I mean, you got you got to go home after training and Hoover. And clean everything down and, <laughs> and make the bed. For fuck's wow. sake. Listen, <laughs> let me let me tell everyone. Let me, I just want to say this. I'm going to be all the way honest about this, guys, right? My ethos in life is this stuff isn't real to me until you bring it to my front door. So all this conflict, I just turn into content. Yep. That's my mindset now. My mindset is I'm not going to get into a back and forth with people online. If you want to insult me and be disrespectful, cool. I'm just going to take that. I want to make it into great content. But even then, like, if Sonny Edwards and you cross paths, I know what you're like. Like, we have done. This is the whole point. We've done at York Hall. And it's like... But if you, if you saw Sonny Edwards walking down the street, I think I know you well enough to know you wouldn't just go up and, like, start fucking punching Sonny Edwards in the face. What you would do is if you and Sonny Edwards were in a room and had a conversation, you would repeat everything that you've said on your podcast, everything that you've said online, everything that you've said on here to Sonny Edwards' face. Now, if Sonny Edwards took issue with that and wanted to have it out, then you wouldn't be one to say no to that. But the fact is you're not... I know what you're like. You're not someone who's looking for a fucking physical confrontation with someone. Just if something stokes your flame, then... You're happy to have that but, conversation. But you understand what triggered this? I think... It no, was, I don't. It, it, was, <laughs> it was something I said on Porky's show, just simply about, I don't find Sonny Edwards entertaining as a boxer. Oh, God, does this mean I've got six months of Sonny Edwards trolling to come? Probably. But, mate, mate, uh, for, for anyone who wants to learn happens. how to deal with life, right? Just get a, get a Google Chrome applet called Blockchain. And so all you do is you insert someone's Twitter handle that you don't like. And it just blocks everyone who follows them and doesn't follow you. So all of that, like all that Sonny Edwards lane just 
just died. Okay. I don't get any of it. I don't get any of the Paul Hindley stuff. It's all gone. So my, my, my timeline's relatively clean now. It's just the people I interact with. Because like we're never going to be able to deal with the trolling thing until Twitter makes people accountable. Because you guys know there's a there's that lady from Sheffield. What's her name? Esther. Esther. They went for her. Of all the benign people, like, okay, her TV's a bit small, right? I'm, I'm going to be real. She posted a picture up of her um, watching the boxing. And it was, it was a small TV. I like it. I'm going to be real. Like, I thought it was small. And so someone tweets about this. What difference does it make if she's got a small TV yeah, or a large it, TV? It, it, it doesn't make... It, it's irrelevant. But you know the, the standard rats that were giving Terry Ann and Tabs trouble as well? Just, just seized on her. And started dredging up old pictures going, oh, look at you, man. You think you're really good looking. This is what you really look like. And I thought to myself, wow. All of this whilst having a shit small TV. Yeah, just don't, don't, don't people have anything better to do with their time? I mean, if you start questioning someone's TV size, I would assume you don't have anything better to do with size. <laughs> yeah. I think that's self-evident. <laughs> uh, but, but look, I don't know Esther from Adam, right? I, I genuinely don't. But we, we've, we've had interactions and she seems, A, she seems like she really knows her stuff. B, she attends shows. So that takes, I mean, she ticks two big boxes for me. And in all the interactions I've had, she's been really nice, friendly. And so I'm like, why? How inadequate are you as a man? And this is what happens, isn't it? Remember when you were at school and you'd ask a girl out and she'd say no. Your first reaction is either you got small tits anyway. Yeah, you or go on the slack. attack. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But at some point, slag. At some point, you're, you're so, such a slag. You still won't go out with me. Yeah. Oh, what's that say about me? <laughs> <laughs> look, look. <clears throat> but, but I think my point is, you grow out of that because you get some success with women. You realize actually, it's just a lottery. You get some, you don't get some. I think in a lot of these cases, they just got none. That that was it, and so they've just become permanent haters of women. And I've seen the inboxes some of some of the women we know get right. I've seen it like you know, how much, how much for your underwear or <laughs> listen, anytime you need your nipples sucked, licked, whatever I can do. Grown men are sending the stuff. Set They're up sending OnlyFans. Hey, everyone should. <clears throat> we, we should discuss that later. But just, but on the, just, just to let everything. everyone know, listening, if there's anyone out there that wants to buy used underwear from really fit women, just, just, Tweet me the name of the person you want. I'll just send you a pair of their underwear. Don't ask me where I get it from. You get genuine, <laughs> bona fide. I can get anyone's underwear. I'll Can send it to you. 600 quid a pop. All right. And uh, yeah. What about if someone wanted your underwear? How much um, would you How much would you charge for your underwear? What? Used. Send uh, it out. Uh, how used? Because <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's an escalating price structure. <laughs> Uh, I'm still stewing up Terry, Terry's pair from the last podcast. Uh, <laughs> now, nah, all right, you've just a standard pair, boxes, worn for one day, taken off at night. What's the going right? Sixty quid. Really? Yeah. That's three Sonny Edwards fights. Really? I, bet. <laughs> I go out for a run as well, so you get that sort of essence, that extra it? sweat. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe yeah. there. So that would be for the WBO European. Yeah. Bo something. <laughs> If you want the Pornhub edition where I just, I leave a snail trail in them, that's oh, 75 quid. You're spunk in your boxes. Whoa, we don't call it that. We call it a snail trail. 75 quid for some spunked Tesco boxes. Wow. Yeah, I never said it was a proud business, but it's a moneymaker. <laughs> that, that is, it, so, 
Yeah, the, 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 the final thing. Not, again, not to dwell on the, the Sonny Edwards thing, but... <clears throat> Do you want a pair of boxer shorts or not? <laughs> I was only asking for a friend. <laughs> Terry. Terry's got a pair coming. <laughs> Actually, Terry, there's only one day left in these. You might as well have them now. <laughs> um, Whew, you're blessing me. <laughs> yeah, not, not to dwell on it at all, but it always makes me laugh with these things that... I, I'd seen, uh, and I can't remember what point it came in the conversations back and forth. Because I never jump in on these things. Because I see them and I think, I don't want to spend my hours of my day getting involved in Twitter arguments. So, Sonny, if you listen to this and you want to have a go at me, crack on. Um, <laughs> I won't engage. Um, I think it was him that pointed, said like, oh, I'll never see you at shows or something. And I was thinking, the lo- I'm sure, in my head, the last time I did see Sonny Edwards... On a show, you were sat with Brooke Stretfield at <laughs> your call on the camera view <laughs> down onto. I'm sure it was that night. That was a night. Yeah, that's the night he was all humble. You know, because he was there. O'Hara was there. And so, was he Edwards, fighting that night? Uh... Because it was the night you and Brooke were on like the hard camera view on BT Sport. And as, so that would have been when you're looking on the screen, probably on your left to hand the right hand side of the, the screen. Right? Yeah, it was. Okay. Um, well, near where you normally sit? No, 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 no. Oh, oh, the, the camera was ninety from that degrees. End. Yeah, yeah. So switch nine... it round. Yes, you were on like the bar side of York. Court. Yes, that, so... that that was when O'Hara and them were there. Sonny was there. He had the roller coaster eyes because you know what happens at shows. The guys that I've known through the amateurs, T, what's up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all shaking hands and having a laugh, and Sonny's on. You you know when Eubank showed Prince Nassim in that ringside special and you see Naz's eyes when Eubank jumps over the ropes? That's what Sonny was like. Like, oh, he does know people. Sonny knows who I am, number one. Number two, for a long time, he respected who I was and what I did because I give Sonny shit as a human being, but as a boxer, you can't question what Sonny's done. You can't question the, the Repton, the SBC stuff he's done. We know a lot of the similar people. It's like when Danny Connor tried to tried to troll me by messaging Denzel going, what do you listen to this guy for? And what does Denzel do? Messages me. Who, who's Danny Connor? And I was like, you don't need to know. You're not relevant anymore. And I just thought, how sad that we say that about Danny Connor, who, for me, I'm going to give him his nod. As a, as a journeyman pro, he ended up achieving more in boxing than any of us would have thought. Because when I saw him at the lodge, he was dog <coughs> shit. And like, I remember Mick would just look and go, I hope he doesn't have a long amateur career because his brain is going to be scrambled. But he went and he found a way to make a living as a pro. Yeah, and Danny time. did all right in that period of time when Prize Fighter was a mm. thing, and you know he did well, him and Michael Devine those kind of level fights. Chris Angelou, yeah, yeah, Ricky you know, Boylan, they, they were okay for Tyler what they Goodwin. were at the time on TV as part of yeah. the Prize Fighter method. They were perfectly fine. He, no? he was like one of those kind of I call them like the Hearn version one. Yeah. He was exactly in that, that. era. But exactly that. The thing about, but this is where Danny's lazy. Had Danny been conscientious and decided to focus on selling tickets, Hearn would have taken him and said, right, you, you, you entertaining fights. I might put you on the A side in a fight. I might put you on the B side in a fight, but you'll always be able to entertain because we need someone who sells tickets. Danny was lazy. Like, I don't think Danny sold any tickets in Fitzroy Lodge for at least for the last six years. Because people were just like, nah, fuck off. Anyways, um, enough about Sonny. Right, yeah, I was just about to say, like, um, I, I mean, even I'm starting to switch off now. So, like, let's plan parenthood. Hashtag. Let's talk about um, how do we think boxing came. I'm, I'm assuming this is where you want to start. 
we'll not start 39 minutes in, but uh, in terms of how did boxing come back from... Unless you want to talk about boxing before the lockdown. No, but like, no, no. So I can't how remember. Did, like, you got, you got the, fight camp. and The whole of fight camp and the whole of Frank Warren's cards have just been one massive undercard. And I'm not sure what the main event is meant to be. <laughs> it's give it his dues, White Povetkin. You know that was that fight. It was helped not, out by the shocking result. Exactly, exactly. If if it had ended with that second Povetkin knockdown, you know when he was on the floor, he'd taken the body shot, and he gets up at like seven eight. If he didn't get up from that, then fuck me, what a disappointment the whole thing was. The fact that he got up and made it such a shocking ending sets up the rematch. Blah blah blah. Fair play like that. That in and of itself was good. But everything else, aside from Natasha Jonas, Terry Harper, everything else is forgettably wank. Everything. I'm talking Warren side. Well, no, no, hold on. So, no, no. I'm going to hit the brakes there because, and I don't know if this was accident or design. At least what Frank's done is he's gone, I've got a bucket load of prospects here. I'm going to put them in harm's way. Actually, oh yeah, let me take that back. Uh, Mark Heffron, Denzel Bentley. Bentley. That was good. Umar Chudinov. Umar Chudinov, but... I, okay, I won't go into the detail of it, but I'm not even convinced Frank and co even really knew it was happening. I, so they did? Because I asked the obvious question as well. So they knew. I think it was one of those where it's like, if you need to go and get some money, this is a good, this is a good opportunity, go... The, the, and then this Lerone thing will still be here because I think that paperwork's locked in. Yeah, so I, I don't know. There's a lot of questions about that around the broadcast side of it, but... Agreed, agreed. Leave that where it sits. Um, yeah, okay, so Umar went out and Umar... You know, we'll come on to that separately, actually. Um, but the whole thing, like... And I'm talking... I'm going to throw in the obvious ones because somebody be listening to this. Danny Flexen, I think, pulled me up on it the other day. Eggington Cheeseman. Martin... I was listening to you. In fact, no, I was reading a tweet mm, while messaging female boxers in their direct messages. Yes. Would you like to come on Seconds Out? I know you're friends with the rodent, but you could come and add greatly to our platform. (laughs) Uh, um. (laughs) Have you guys missed this? I'd be amazed if anyone's still listening at this point. <laughs> so, yeah. People- I thought this was a boxing podcast, everything. <laughs> Eggington Cheeseman is two blokes that we know their flaws, their frailties, their limitations, their, their ceiling. And yet we're getting sold it as this grand opening to fight camp. Like, no, no, if, if I was opening something that's been shut for three months and I want to make a grand opening, I wouldn't bring out my... Not B team, not C team, D team for the main event of that opening. The Premier League's coming but, back with but, Burnley versus Crystal Palace. But no, no, <laughs> exactly. But, but here's the question I've got. To, here's the question I'd ask though: Who can Hearn really call upon? We've been discussing this for years. How bad his UK stable actually is? Is that is that? I've wondered that for a while. Is that because that? He's got his cash cows and he's just addicted to just pumping his time so, and energy into them rather so, than building up a structured stable of... You bookend it. We've all missed boxing for that period of time, right? 
And then I think, again, it's something you point out, Terry. Actually, you get to that point where you don't miss boxing. And like I am so disengaged with the sport. From I am miles off where I used to be. Um, to bring it back properly, you whack on that first show, Joshua Pulev. You whack on White Povetkin. You, you do so a pay-per-view on week one. And then you so just do a couple on. of weeks. You do a couple of weeks of lesser cards, and then you finish it on White Povetkin yeah. or Joshua Pulev, and then that's how you bring it back properly. Not Eggington Cheeseman with. And I'm, can anyone tell me what fights on the undercard of that? Uh, nah. Eddie, Eddie's mates. I watched that as well. I, I watched, actually did watch that. The, the, didn't we watch it in the pub? Possibly. We watched it in Newport. We were out having a drink. Ah, okay. Um, well, okay. <laughs> I Thanks, still guys. can't remember. Well, at least we were in- intoxicated. That might lend itself to... But I've got remember. no idea what the undercard to that was. The second fight, uh, the second show, wasn't that headlined with Felix Cash, Jason Wellborn? That in itself is a fucking terrible headline fight. Yeah. Terrible. Because you knew the result before the end of the yeah. ring. You knew the result. It wasn't even questionable. Jason Wellborn is a light middleweight who... Days. He got beaten by William Warburton a few years back. No uh, no disgrace in losing to William Warburton, but we know what he is, and we know, therefore, what level Jason Wellborn is. <laughs> Those wins over Tommy Langford look worse over time, and we see where Tommy Langford's ended up. You know, you know my, I worry every time I hear Macklin say, you know, if, if he can discover his old magic. <laughs> I always worry, like, whenever I hear fight, discover his old... No, no, he's a professional fighter, Matt. He, he kind of has to have it right in here right now but I don't I don't want him rediscovering anything in that ring walk like why, why are oh we this yeah this is how I did my gloves blinding yeah. <laughs> forgotten about that has there ever been a like a really well known example of a fighter that was like oh mate he is out on his ear and then suddenly he's rediscovered a burst of form and like somehow like an Indian summer of a career yeah does that, <laughs> does that happen in boxing I don't know <laughs> a lot more so now right now, now, now that you can get stuff over the internet. No, nothing comes to mind. Mm, no immediate. Uh, so, uh, so then the natural question after that is, why would anyone think that that is likely to happen to anyone else? Yes, I mean, Felix Cash, going back to that fight, is a man on the ascent. Yeah. And Jason Wellborn is a man who probably, being realistic, was never at the level Felix Cash is at now. Like, when Wellborn was at his top, he was still below the level Felix Cash is at now. Yeah. But he's not at his top. He's on the slide. Like He's a light middleweight as well by career. So that was a wank fight. Jonas Harper was brilliant. Like I really enjoyed but that. But it wasn't meant to be. No. That's the, and, and so if you looked at the fight when it was made, the language of Terry Harper was, this is just another stepping stone. Well, when we're talking about Terry Harper, it's like, okay, she needs to beat Jonas to, to cement her name. We yeah. get it. It was never, this is a 50-50. Until Jonas showed up and yeah. like give Gallagher his due, he found he found that missing piece in Natasha Jonas. How much of um, what do they call it? The the programming around Fight Camp, the uh, the behind the scenes uh, stuff. I've watched none of it. Uh, did you not? Did you see any of it? Oh, mate, there is the no. best clip. Joe Gallagher walks. <laughs> so they go to enter the bubble, and for a start, Joe Gallagher's like they're all meant to enter on the Monday, I think. Um, and Joe Gallagher and Jonas are like, no, we can't get down. I think they might have said it was childcare or something for Jonas's little girl. Like, we can't get down until the Tuesday. So that ruffles a few feathers because people are like, why is he getting special dispensation when everybody else has to be on the first day? So that ruffles a few feathers with the likes of Steffi Bull and, and various others. Um, 
And then there's there's the <laughs> there's the video of um <laughs> when they enter the bubble, which is a hotel, and so they come in through the front door, and there's one of those um the security team uh sat on a, a reception desk to welcome you as you come in. And as they do that, they like they take your temperature and they give you your room key and they do all these things, the formalities. And as they do it, they're going to take the temperature of like uh, Jonas and Gallagher. And Gallagher, just out of nowhere from his pocket, pulls out his own thermometer, whacks it on a security guard's head, <laughs> takes, <laughs> takes his temperature. And you're like, fair play, actually. <laughs> like, he's, he's taken control of that situation, which I'd imagine he must have done all that week for Jonas, is yeah. to take control of every situation. So you, you'd limit the variable. So a lot of people are taking the piss of like, Oh, it's so embarrassing. Joe's so embarrassing. Blah, blah. No. no. What he's done coach. is he's turned up and he's taken away every variable for Jonas and everything that could be a disruption, everything that could be a problem. He made her life, I would imagine, as easy as possible. <laughs> Maybe not in the eyes of everybody else, but that doesn't matter in that week. What mattered in that week was that Jonas was taken care of and could focus on the Saturday night fight. And that, that little clip, for me, summed it all up. That I'd imagine Gallagher, because he's synonymous with being a bit of a miserable git, um, doesn't have um, that personality, that shining personality, but actually he's a businessman. He gets down to business immediately. You could see it in that. And I bet you Jonas had the easiest life for that week. And it you know, it was reflected on the Saturday night. And she was phenomenal. I thought... I, I... I would like to see her re- maintain that level. I think I'd like to see the rematch with Harper because I think Jonas exposed a lot of things that say Harper's not ready. I think the key, if that fight happens in Liverpool, I don't envy Steffi Ball. So rule number one in boxing, do not insult Natasha Jonas because that family there in Liverpool, like, <laughs> as I like to say, I'm just trying to live. That's a serious family in Liverpool. I don't think Steffi was smart in taking shots at Natasha Jonas. So expect him to be a bit more respectful if there's a rematch. And can we point out as well, Jonas, like she went to war that night. And there's a lot of questions that were around Natasha Jonas from her amateur days, you know, getting yes. uh, beaten by Katie Taylor in the Olympics. Shelley Watts in the Commonwealth. Coming through to the professionals, hadn't really achieved anything, gets beaten by uh, Vivian Obanoff, who other people take care of. And there were so many questions going into that. She fucking, she fought that night. She had that horrible cut over the eye. You know, she looked damaged out of it, but she just dug in. She got in the trenches. She fought and fought and fought. Skill, guts, determination, all of it. And then turned up two weeks later on the Dillian White show looking fantastic. Fantastic. Like phenomenal. As if, and I'm sure there must have been, you know, a bit of makeup to cover the cut and what have you. But. She had that that smile, that loveliness about her yeah. that you're like, right, this is what you need out of women's boxing. Someone that can go in there, fight, battle, tough it out, but actually is a lovely woman outside of it, an attractive woman outside of it, has everything going for her. And I, I, I pray, because she's not the youngest woman, I hope boxing finds a decent, good role for Natasha Jonas... She- when she decides to hang the gloves up. But I hope yeah. she doesn't hang the gloves up anytime soon. I hope they get that fight back in Liverpool. I hope she wins a world title for her career's over. And I hope boxing finds a home for Natasha Jonas. If it's not coaching, it's in front of the camera. That's where she should be. She is a, a yeah. calendar, uh, a poster girl for the sport of women's boxing. She's like our Alex Scott. Yeah. 
you know when you when they talk and you're like, Anna, she's bang on. She is bang on. I, and I like that. I, you know what? Because when I look at women's boxing, and so I've, I've had to look at it differently because obviously, like through my involvement in rugby, I know a lot of the the female rugby players who are now making a mark. So women like Shauna Brown and so forth. Yeah, you know, I, I know I know them reasonably well. And so they've had this dilemma in rugby because they're letting the male players model the kits and they're getting models oh, in yeah. to wear the female kit. And so what these women are saying is, look, we're female rugby players. We're never going to drive participation unless you put us in visible positions. And so I think it's the same with boxing. All the promoters need to work out who their ambassadors are. And it's going to be that mix of, you know, you've got, and I don't care what anyone says, you've got to look good. Yep. Right? And you got to look good and you got to be able to fight. That's not being sexist. No. It's just that, you know, look at who they get in for the football. Well, Andy Joshua draws women in with his body. So yeah. that's the flip. Exactly. That's the flip argument to that. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, and, and so they, they, you need to get that. And I know there were there was thoughts of doing it with Shannon Courtney. And I like Shannon. I think highly of Shannon Courtney. But she, based on how I've seen her amateur career, she wasn't the answer. But then... You, but then, paradoxically, neither is someone like a Stacey Copeland, but Copeland can fight. We need someone who's kind of got the style of Courtney and the substance of, um, just lost her name, Stacey Copeland. And like Jonas seems to be in that Venn diagram, yeah. right in that <coughs> sweet spot where yeah. you can say. Because not only is she a, a good looking woman, she can fight, she can talk. Yeah, That is the perfect triumvirate of, of what you need out of it. To make people respect the sport as well, because it's still disrespected. Fuck it. I don't care about women's boxing on the whole. 90% of it, I'd happily switch off. I'll happily admit that. But I would happily switch on for a Jonas fight because I've seen what she's about. I'd happily... I'd switch off a Katie Taylor fight. Outside of fighting that Belgian policewoman, Pursun, I've never really been entertained by a Katie Taylor fight. And Pursun's been robbed twice, in my opinion. Yeah. Um... You know. Rachel Ball, I thought <laughs> her and Shannon Courtney was just a pub fight that like happened to end up in Hedy Hearn's back garden in a ring. But it was brilliant. Like and I think you you see these calls for women's boxing to be three minute rounds, to be twelve rounds for a world title fight. And I think no, you need to you need to differentiate. You need to give it a point of difference. For me, and that point of difference is that you're going out for two minutes, not three minutes. So you're throwing hands for two minutes. They seem to chuck the tactics out of the, the window a little bit. And like Katie Taylor, we know she should be able to box better than she did with Vivian Obanoff. And if she had to do that over three rounds, you suspect she would have. But it's a lot more fun to watch them just stand on one another's toes and throw for two minutes. I, I don't think it needs to be three minute rounds, personally. Uh, the, so the challenge you have is... If I'm going to have two minutes and a minute rest, you're essentially resting for a third of the time of that that, yeah. that period, right? Whereas if it's three minutes, it's a quarter. So that 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 kind of nine ten percent difference in recovery time will lead to more compelling action towards the end. So I think the thing you're calling for, you'd get a lot more of if you had ten three minute rounds for a world title. So rounds eight, nine, and ten would be epic. But then my question is at what price to the boxer? And you've got to weigh those two things up. You know, 
you can strengthen the male neck because remember, like most of your, your androgen receptors are in your neck and your traps. That's why steroid users tend to have big necks and massive traps. Whereas for women, it's not the same, right? You don't, you don't have that same androgen activation. So it's quite hard to strengthen your neck. So do we want people taking a shellacking for 10, three minute rounds? I, I have a feeling we might end up in a place we regret. So uh, yeah, I think Martin's right. Let's, let's keep it at twos for now until we know what the effect of that is. If, if someone tells me it's benign and they could do threes, then let them do threes. But I don't want to jump into threes and then go, I wish we had stuck at twos. Yeah, no, I'm happy to leave it where it is. I think it enhances, it, it separates the product. Because look, you don't want the same product. Because look at the men's and the women's Premier League. Like, yeah. they're so far apart in terms of uh, viewership, in terms of money, in terms of sponsorship, in terms of payment. Blah, blah, blah. Because they've tried to make two products the same thing. I, I, could, I could call the mm, sexes nice. for saying, I'd have women's rugby on smaller pitches and 60 minutes. And I was called the sexist. I said, no. I'd rather that because there's nothing worse than watching, watching one of those props make a break and going, she ain't going to make it to the trial line. <laughs> <laughs> but but you, you shrink the pitch down and you can get to that trial line. And I, I, and I, people go, oh, oh, but we want what the men want. And no, no, you don't. You want a platform that's going to showcase your skills in the the best way possible, yes. so you <laughs> become lucrative and, if and that, you can make a living. And if that isn't a replica of the male version, but it's familiar enough that people tuning in know what they're watching, cool. Like, what? There shouldn't be a problem with that. As, if it makes you more money at the end of it, if it brings you a slightly different audience, fine, go with it. But, yeah, it's, it's, but, like, it's almost like you know how much football there is on TV well now women are involved and there's a hundred percent more yes yeah, <laughs> like, we don't need that and let's be perfectly honest it's not as good but, but <laughs> it, it, it's yeah. not and, and, and That's I was having this conversation have... with my wife this morning watching my daughter playing football so before anyone's like oh you were sexist I found watching my five year old daughter playing football this morning I'll positively encourage it she loves participating but if you watch women's football, they don't have the strength of men's football. They have the skill. Mm -hmm. They have some of the speed. They don't have the strength. And that's ultimately what you're watching is for those moments of like, you know, Gareth Bale coming back. You get to see all those highlight clips of him powering his way past Mycon, powering his way past the Southampton defence and banging one top corner. All of that strength is what sets you apart. And if you took Megan Rapinoe, as a female footballer and dropped her into the men's game, where would she be sat? Probably League One level. No way. No way. I'm Under 15. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. And I'm being serious because, uh, yeah. because uh, honestly, the physicality, she would get bounced around yeah. by grown men. And I don't want to be disrespectful, but she'd get bounced around by grown men. And, you know... It's hard to say. And that's why I don't want to compare women's that, sport with men's yeah, sport. Yeah, so, so don't therefore rely upon yeah. creating a mirror yeah. of the men's mm -hmm. one. Accept there are differences and embrace those differences when, and build the sport around when those When ultimately, when you say about pitch sizes, you think at the inception of the sport, the pitch size is essentially arbitrary. Somebody went, right, that's about 100 yards. Yeah. And then they settled on a distance. Like and that if, became within barriers, that became the... So, so just... Like you say, make it what rugby, make it smaller. I mean, it might even make sense for football pitches to become smaller. I don't know. So let me give you an example. But it shouldn't be out of bounds. Yeah. So yeah. I'll give you an example. I used to play mixed. I used to play mixed touch, right? Um, 
in Clapham Common. And I played with a couple of ladies who played for the England setup. Touchy Terry. Well, we were, we, were, we were on the same team. It would have been a bit weird. Although I wouldn't be averse to it. I'm not going to lie. But I think the point is, you play with them and you're like, God, they're good. This sounds really perverted. <laughs> Just, if you take all of this out of context, yeah. you're like, these women, you play with them. God, they're good. Can we do, can, can we do that one day? Out of context, Terry. <laughs> no context, Terry. Sorry, carry on. No, so when you play with it, you're like, this is absolutely brilliant. But then I go... Can you imagine this in a 15-a-side, full contact? Yeah. They'd get minced. And not, not because they're not good enough. It's because no matter how amazing they are, a 19-stone prop running at you, that's just physics. You can't, you can't subvert the laws of physics. Yep. Yep. But the one thing I do want to say is what worries me about women's boxing is they're managing the careers the same way they're managing the men's careers. These women should just be fighting each Agree. other. Agree. Like on a regular basis. Pay them well and just get them fighting each other regularly. You know, if you if you if you're gonna make me wait for men's fights to marinate, don't do that with the women's fights because you don't have the filler to do that. Yeah, because we end up then in scenarios such as Chantel Cameron versus I haven't got a clue. I don't know. <clears throat> Not a clue. Because any promoter out there listening to this, here's your lesson. Men who are what? arbitrarily 90% of your boxing fans maybe 95 don't follow women's boxing outside of the UK so when you bring over some uh, whoever Chantel Cameron's fighting I don't know if the woman's from France Mexico Venezuela the moon whatever I don't know and I don't give a shit that's impressive but the fact is Chantel Cameron's in a no-win situation out of this because she wins. She wins a world title against someone that we've never heard of and we'll never hear of again. She loses and she's lost to someone that no one fucking knows. Like, there's no value in that whatsoever. She ought to be fighting Katie Taylor for the titles. And then she ought to be fighting Katie Taylor again in six months' time. Yeah. Like, don't give us this shite that no one cares about. There's money on the table here because there's a handful of names we know and by the grace of God, they're all roughly the same weight. They can get to each other. Don't ruin that moment. It should be. There should be. It should be a mix of Harper, Jonas, Cameron, and Katie Taylor. There's four names there that all boxing fans would love to see on a show. You just have those guys in any mix. We'll keep watching. But you start giving me Vladona, Vladonovic, and all. Ah, no, thank you. Nah, or you true. start giving me mismatches like Hannah Rankin v Savannah Marshall, and I turn off. And it's not because I don't like Hannah Rankin. I really do. But you're putting someone in who was learning the bassoon when Savannah Marshall was learning to box. Like Savannah Marshall's been a killer for 11 years now. A killer. Like you can have Savannah Marshall sparring men full on and she can hold her own. And and Hannah's brave and Hannah's tough and I I love all of that about her. But these are the sorts of mismatches. And it's a mismatch that I don't want to see in boxing. Like I, like, I didn't want to see Hannah versus Clarissa Shields. It wasn't fair on Hannah. You know, let Hannah grow and develop. Let Clarissa fight Savannah. They're two killers. There's money there. What's taking so long? They've got the history. Yeah, you know Hearn's waiting. Like, I'm not putting this fight on until I sign Clarissa Shields. Like, just make the fight. Yeah. So going back to fight camp, I, I struggled. Like, yeah, okay, there were some fights that were okay. 
Jack Cullen's Actually. Yeah, it was all right. But it doesn't do anything for me. Ultimately, that would be an undercard of a next-gen show. Yes. That wouldn't even be headlining a next-gen show. Go back, right? Go all all the way back when Katie Taylor versus... And it wasn't going to be Pursuit. It was going to be... Not Serrano. Serrano. Huh. Um, and that was going to be the main support to... Um, Julian White Perfecting White Perfecting there that was it and the Serrano politics were going back and forth Lou DiBella was involved blah 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 blah. Hearn did an IFL interview during that phase and he said look that's the fight that we want but it may not happen if it doesn't happen it's probably going to be Pursuit it may be someone else I think they were talking maybe Cameron at the time (laughs) but look if that doesn't happen, then the card isn't strong enough. So we need to add a big fight to fill that gap that would have been Taylor Serrano. So if it's Taylor Pursuit, we need to fill that gap that's been left by not having the big fight that we wanted. What got added? Because he was talking. I know it's not a big fight. You laugh about it, whatever. Huey Fury, Dave Allen. That was a fight he was talking about adding into the I'm card. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But then there was also meant to be... Um, Martin Bacoli against Sergio Kuzmin. I'm okay and that, that got pulled off. And so actually you ended up losing Taylor versus Serrano and Bacoli versus Kuzmin. And what did you get in return? Nothing. Jack Cullen versus Zach Chelly at a couple of weeks notice for Cullen to move up in weight. So, so we got fucking diddled out of that pay-per-view. So I don't understand Make this. no mistake. We got fucking diddled and yet Hearn still has the tenacity to sit there going fucking brilliant show people will say it's not good value it was good it was good value for me because I pay 40 quid for 6 months IPTV it's fucking blinding value for me you people, fucking robbing bust. people will say it was wrong but it is actually right fair enough Eddie can't question that but here's here's what made me angry about that card is you had four heavyweights Huey Dave Bacoli Kuzmin right only one dropped out and you ended up with none yeah. I'm like you can make a fight here. <laughs> Huey's in shape. Dave's pretty much in shape. Bacoli's clearly in and shape. And David Price is always on the end of a phone. Yeah. If you needed to put him in with Huey Fury, cool. You need to put him in with Alan, cool. Put him in Bacoli, maybe not so cool. So, but what Hearn should be honest with is Hearn should say, guys, I only had a hundred grand per show as a budget. If he says that, I can understand why it's toilet. But... It's always, ah, yeah, you know, Matchroom got deep pockets, you know, go and ask Frank if he could put on a show like this in his back garden. There's all these sort of subliminals that get thrown It was back the stuff he would say about a company's house records with um, how much money Frank had in the bank. Yeah, because that's what successful businesses do. They leave all their cash in the bank. In the bank. What so the tax fucking, man can see it. What kind of fucking idiotic business would leave like <laughs> five million pounds sat in your company records for <laughs> company's house to come and take a... Also, somebody once told me, and I'm not a businessman. This uh, won't become as any. Well, obviously, I've got my underwear business, but like, I mean, I mean, I'm not. uh, It was a fledgling business, so uh, I'm not an established business. Is what I mean. Somebody once said to me, "If you've as a business, if you have money in the bank, you're essentially losing money because you're not investing it in something to make make you more money." Is what business people (laughs) effectively. But, but. Now, I'm not saying Hearn's a terrible businessman. He's clearly... He's not bad at business. He's clearly not bad at business with the massive caveat over that that, you know, his dad's business 
set his business up. So like the most powerful man in the world had the same treatment. So that's a legit form. Yeah, yeah. So look, <laughs> it's a legit route. N- none of us are in that same scenario whereby we happen to be handed a sports company by our father. No, an underwear business that was <laughs> that is from my dad. <laughs> So is the underwear. <laughs> He's still brewing his last pair. Um, so look, it, nobody's questioning his acumen as a businessman, although you could to some level. But to question, does where's Frank's money in company's house? Don't be so stupid, man. Like, and again, that's, that just appeals to the matchroom IFL yeah. conglomerate. They go, oh, yeah, he said about Frank's got no money in the bank. Like, yeah, dickhead. On a, on a side note, Whatever, whatever they're paying Dev Sani, can you double his salary for that t- the B sample tweet? That might be my favorite <laughs> boxing tweet of the year because he's clearly sat on that for a long time, waiting. I wish Dylan would just take shots at Frank. And so whoever whoever runs the kind of match room, you know, yeah, we just jump on Dylan's account to fire some shots. And Dev came straight in with the, you ever want to tell us what happened to the B sample? And I just thought. Yep, I understand why they've hired him now. And, you know... They've never tweeted that. Frank Warren tweeted that. Oh, what, himself? From the Frank Warren account, yeah. Yeah, from the back of his Rolls Royce. Just like, oh, I'm going to let him have it. Yeah, I'm sure, Frank. (laughs) But, again, when we go back to what you said earlier about um, boxing fans getting excited when... Warren goes out saying this is the card we could put on. At the same time, you've got the Frank Warren Twitter account calling out Dillian White's B sample. <laughs> and Dillian White calling out Frank Warren for what he said is let's let's not pretend this is gonna happen. But at some point there has to be a meeting. Like someone has to pick up the phone and it's not gonna be the promoters. Someone's gotta sit there and go, We're all pissing money down the toilet here. Like we really are. Well, Fury's off doing this, Josh is off doing that, and the fans really don't care. Boatsy's fighting another Mexican road sweeper. And, and, do you know what? Yes. <laughs> no, no, but I've, I've, I've kind I'm of what, I've was, sat on this for a while. The right? people who have suffered the most for the lockdown are Mexican, Mexican road sweepers, they've had to sweep Bulga- roads. Bulgarian dustmen. Yeah, they've had to <laughs> like, do the bins, they've had to do what? the roads. This was topping up our wages. You get Romanian was taxi Latvian drivers. cab drivers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All of them. They've and that's no, the most. Nobody needed a lift. Masses. Nobody <laughs> needed a lift at that time. The cab drivers were fucked. We've well, been uh, sat on this for a while. Go sorry, on. sorry, go on. No, so here's my issue. We all kind of know the light heavyweight names in the UK. Like, I, I've, I've known most of this generation from when they've been coming up. I look at Craig Richards. Name me, name me a soft fight Craig's had. None, really. You know. You look at it, you go, right, they just whacked him in against Bullioni, first fight at 175. You tip your hat to him and go, mate. At two weeks' notice. Yeah, you tip your hat <laughs> to him. Well done, right? And Craig's kind of been unafraid, like, put me in with anyone. That's Craig's mindset, and I respect that. Dan Aziz. Nah, tell. I'll jump in with anyone, tell. You know that. Dan Aziz is one of my favourite boxers right now. Yeah. Like, for everything. For yeah. his his ring walk, his ring attire. Everything. His, and every single boxer needs to take the lesson of Dan Aziz. When you finish your fight, when you've won your fight, when the camera gets pointed at you, say the name of every sponsor you have. Yes. Give those names live. And I know you've just been punched in the head and I know you might be a little bit buzzed and I know you might be really excited about the fact you've won your fight. Dan Aziz did all of that, beat Andre Sterling, his old rival, and still remembered to get on the camera and list his sponsors. 
Fucking love Dan Aziz. Not only that, but he hit all his marks as well in the interview. You know, when you you hear it and you're like, I can't say, I, he hasn't missed anything in this one. Dan, that was as consummate, like that, I'm like, put the guy in for a British title. Dan's ready. Dan's a class act. And what I mean is, so you look at Dan's record, right? Dan's got British names on his record, justifiable British names on his record. <clears throat> Andre Sterling, for all the losses he's had, Andre's got those names on his record. So now you're going through this, going at 175, these guys have names. Lyndon Arthur's got names. Like, even Yard's getting British names. And in all of this, Boatsy's been absent. It can't be, oh, he's in a different generation. Not true. He's of that group. He was the leader of the pack. It can't be that he's on to bigger and better things. He's had that WBA international for how long now? He's 14 he, years. Yeah, he's sat on that. So, <laughs> so what I'm saying is... I come here for the facts. They what, stay over the banter. What, what, I don't, what I don't want to hear after Boatsy's next fight is how special he is, how he's going to take over, how he's this, how he's that. Because... Quite rightly, and now Tunde's accepting this, you know, Yard went to world level before he cleaned up at British. And so the fans always had that kind of credibility discount applying applied to Yard, where they're like, yeah, but who's he done it with in the UK? I still have that a little bit, to be fair. Like beating mm. Dex Spellman doesn't get rid of that. No, but when he does when he gets in with like a Lyndon Arthur, then cool. Then yeah, cool. yeah. Then you and so win or lose, cool. Yeah. Don't mind. And so we need Josh to do something like that. Like a host, give listen, give Jose Burton enough time to prepare a couple of tune-ups. Put Boatsy in with Jose Burton. Well, Jose Burton's got the golden contract final. Do that, yeah. Josh. Go off and do your thing. Meet after that. Yes, because someone. For, I, I was talking to Dan Aziz about this. Someone has to beat Jose Burton for me to go. Yeah, because the bully only thing you stopped him. Kudos, but you weren't winning that fight. Iced I'll, him. I want. <laughs> Iced him. That's what I want to see. Jose Burton, Callum Johnson. Someone's got to unseat both those guys. Don't go running off to world level until you unseat those two guys because they've got a legit claim to be number one in this country. Let's talk about Boatsy versus Callum Johnson. Cool. Do that fight. But none of this Eddie Hearn, we're going to give Callum four weeks notice. No. Build it up properly so Callum can get ready too. Yeah. There are so many names knocking about that division. Dan Aziz hope is the dark horse that comes through and fuck it take everyone out dan take everyone out go like um uh well gary oldman in leon <laughs> everyone but you know you know the fucking you, you know when i watch people. you know when i watch dan i always go back to 2016 i remember we did an episode after the harringay and i said at the time I'd love to see Dan and Andre get it on. And I remember just going, there's something about Dan where when he turns pro, he's going to do really well. I couldn't put my finger on it at the time. And I was talking to Dan about this after the Andre fight. He fought a kid called Dennis Kalfer, a Swedish kid. I don't know if Dennis has turned pro now or not, but I hope he has. He's a nice kid. And so he fought this kid, Dennis. And like Dennis just had the perfect tactics for everyone that weekend. And all Dennis was doing was covering up and as soon as he felt the pressure, he's throwing left hooks. And it took Dan a while to compute. But what I love about Dan is Dan kept trying to win. Like every second of every round, Dan kept trying to win. And that's what people underestimate with Dan. Like he, he does a whole nice guy persona thing in public. He smiles, he laughs, you know, the, the, the <laughs> yes tell, you know, uh, you know, he does all of that. And I love him for that. But he's always trying to win. 
And he has this thing where, and I think I said it on this show, he hits harder than it looks. He's deceptive. Yeah, well, yes. I, I get that impression watching him um, fight. Is that yeah. it's deceptive? Because you start, you, you see him just throw these little kind of like pitter-patter punches, right? And then you see the opponent in the corner and there's just lumps everywhere. Yeah. And I'm watching going, yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. <laughs> there's only so many rounds you can take that, especially in 10-ounce gloves before they catch up with you. And Dan's got that. And I think, and uh, Dan, don't hit me when I say this publicly. I think when Dan hooks it all up together, so I look at Dan and Dan has loads of eight, nine and 10 out of 10 moments, but there's also little bits of dead space in there. If you look at him round by round, when he eliminates that dead space with better decision-making and he understands his style a little bit better, not that he's haggler, but he'll have that kind of hagglerness to him where he'll be able to do it all. So he won't just be a pressure fighter. He'll be a guy that can just mix it up. And it'll be that mixing up that will mess people up psych- psychologically because you won't know what's coming. Mm. And then you'll feel that power. And whew, good luck to you. Andy, what's been your favorite fight in lockdown outside of Povetkin White? <laughs> uh, the Cheeseman fight. Was it? You loved yeah. it, didn't you? What was what? your favorite bit about that? No, no, it's the only other fight I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, but virtue of the fact I wasn't allowed to pick White Povetkin. Yeah. Just on a side note, can we just say kudos to MTK for yeah. kind of getting it right? Well, getting it more right than anyone else did in this post-lockdown period where they understood, look, we just got to give people fights, fights that they want to see. So kudos to, to MTK for that. Okay, moving on, shall we? Oh, you wanted to talk about... Do you want to talk about now? What? About um, Umar Sadiq versus Chudnov? I'll just touch on it, yeah. Okay. Um, look, just shout out, man. Like, so, I think people are probably familiar. If they're listening through to this point of what we're doing, they're familiar with Umar Sadiq. He's been on here twice. He came and did our live show both times. He was around. Um, yeah, so like people will, will know of. So, he took that loss to Zach Chelly early in his career. He went off and self-funded, self managed almost his career for a period of time so that he could keep being relevant because by all accounts I believe like there wasn't really anything for him on the BT platform under Warren and so he went off and kind of did his own thing so he went off and fought on a Steve Goodwin show he went off and fought on a show show. in Bournemouth Um, and he went off and did these things just to get those wins just to stay busy just to prove that he's still you know a worthwhile commodity within the sport comes back and the opportunity opens up with Cody Davis beats Cody Davis live on BT has the Lerone Richards fight lined up um Lerone Richards unexpectedly has a baby like as if there was no forewarning about this fact so well, <laughs> I think we've talked about unplanned births <laughs> So you probably I want to what... message you. Let me message Lerone and go, mate, do you somehow get, uh, was it a flyweight or a superfly? Superflyweight. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you know what we're on about here? No, I mean, no. So, outside of what you're... So Umar was signed up to fight Lerone Richards, right. who's the British um, super middleweight champion. Yeah. And Commonwealth, probably. Yeah. Um, and they've signed, like it's announced. They do an IFL interview, like during lockdown. It's all talked about and discussed. And then it just kind of goes off the radar. And when they start actually putting the fight schedules together and announcing them on Frank Warren BT, Sadiq versus Richards is no longer on there. Like, it's just disappeared. No one addresses it particularly. 
and then it eventually comes out that um, Richard's missus was pregnant and was due to give birth around the time of the fight. No, no, no. Roll it back. So this this fight nine months. Is no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no. So this fight was muted before the lockdown, right? So had there been no lockdown, this fight would have happened pretty pretty soon after Easter, I imagine. This is you know the rumor and innuendo that I pick up. Like it was it was Uma Villarone for the British. Now, for a number of reasons, I think Larone was probably coming to the end of his contract with Frank. I think Uma might be coming to the end of his contract with Frank. And so, you know, when you put these guys in the fight, it rolls over for another 18 months or something like that. I never know the rules. So so the fight's made and you know, both guys want it. This is the thing I find weird. But in that period, uh, Larone's life kind of changes because he now has to find a new trainer. Sam Jones is trying to shop him here, there, and everywhere. He ends up with Caldwell. So he? that's the red flag to me because Caldwell doesn't work with Frank. So I'm like, so how is Larone going to fight on a Frank show? So in my head, I'm now thinking there's an escape route being plotted here. And so my theory at the moment, and don't quote me on this just yet, is there'll be some deal done with the board that if the titles are vacated, Larone will be able to fight for them at some point. And then this fight won't happen and he will go over to Hearn and they'll fight for the British there. That's my theory at the moment because Caldwell won't fight on a Frank show. Like he, That won't happen. Therefore, where does Larone go? And I don't think Sam Jones has got involved with Larone to keep him on on BT Sports. Sam, Sam's a lot of things, but he's not stupid. He knows the real money's on Sky. Yeah, so anyway, Sadiq, that fight gets cancelled with Richards, and so he ends up, you start seeing it a few weeks before it happens, like he's going to fight Fedor Chudinov. And you see it like on a box rec schedule that someone's whacked up on Twitter. <laughs> like, Hold up, what the fuck? <laughs> Fedor Chudinov. Um, you know, seen on these lands as stopping Bullioni lost to George Groves um, when Groves won the title up at Bramwell Lane, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And Umar Sadiq, you know, goes under the radar. And I think that was because there were visa considerations taken into account that weren't going to be resolved until the week of the fight. So he wasn't 100% sure whether that fight's going ahead. And fucking flies out to Russia to fight Fedor Chudinov. No bells and whistles, no song and dance, just turns up in Russia. Fucking... <laughs> Let's be honest about this. A black dude flying out to Russia to go and fight in their backyard. Like, there's a lot of alarm bells if I'm Umar Sadiq. But he doesn't seem to have any of that. It's like, man, touchdown. Let's go and fight on Friday. And can I be honest? So, having spoken to him through that process, the the two words he kept saying were, it's calm. I was just like, what? <laughs> You're going to go fight Chudna? Yeah, Terry's calm. Yeah. In Russia? Yeah, it's calm. It's fine. You know, I know what I need to do. I'm going to go out there and do it. I was like, oh, man. And you know when someone says something and I'm like, it sounds like there's a performance in him. You don't know what the result's going to be, but it's like there's a performance in him. And and so it proved, like, poor Winnie's just there. Like, we're watching it on different screens. And and I'm doing, like, I can't involuntarily, I'm like, don't, 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 don't fucking stay on the ropes. Ah! You know when you're just living it? And yeah. I'm like, ah! Because I can see that this is a real performance. You know, from what I gather, Chudinov thought this was just going to be a quick, quick in and out. In, stop the kid, move on. So 
that it went 12 rounds, Chudnov's like, that wasn't meant to happen. Now, I don't know the particulars of the paperwork, but I have a feeling you will see a rematch because neither man is satisfied with how that ended. Chudnov's not happy because, yes, he stopped him, but he was losing on the cards. Yeah, he was. Umar's not happy because Umar's like, if I'd managed my energy load better, I could have seen out that 12th and one. Now, whether Chudnov needs another 12 rounds that at the stage of his career, I don't know. But if that rematch does happen, I expect we'll see a different Umar because, and I said this about Denzel Bentley the day after. Sometimes you watch someone learning on the job. You almost watch them, all the stuff they believed about themselves is being tested in one fight. And I think Umar learned a lot about himself. And so at least he's got a focus on where to develop. And it was the same with ben- Bentley against Hefron. And I like seeing that in fights where you can see the maturation where they go, ah, okay, I belong here. I'm okay now. And then they just start easing into their skill set. So looking forward to that rematch. Well, looking this forward is, to both of them. This is part of the problem of being a boxing fan, boxing critique, boxing you know, commentator, not in the sense of commentating on fights, but looking at the sport and talking about it, is we that... Have, we have technically commentated on fights. Well, that's true. Yeah. We have. Yeah, we talked about what Taylor Jones's favourite crisps were. Yeah. Shout out to Senor Tasty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got, never did it again, obviously. So that kind of meant we are, strictly speaking, we are failed boxing commentators, but that's no, not, not by the by. I'm sure, I'm sure Danny Connor shut us down because he's the most powerful man in boxing. Yeah. <laughs> um, what was I saying? I've got a clue. As a boxing commentator, it's very difficult. Oh, yeah, right. So, it's difficult, isn't it? Because if Umar Sadiq went out there and got stopped in a round, then that fight looks stupid. And you go, why the hell has he gone from fighting Cody Davis? Hasn't won an area, national, British, European, and goes out to fight, basically, a world champion. If that happened in a round, then it would all look a bit daft. But, he didn't. He went out there and did phenomenally. But you didn't know that beforehand. We may have had an inkling, but on paper, he shouldn't have lasted five rounds. Shouldn't have lasted six, seven, eight. He shouldn't have been up on the cards at 12. Yeah. On paper. And so on paper, you should go, this is daft. It shouldn't be happening. And yet when Felix Cash smashes Jason Wellborn, you can sit there in retrospect as a boxing fan and go, fucking stupid. Why has that been allowed to happen? Why is that card allowed to happen? Why is that fight allowed to happen? It's stupid. Like, there's no reason for that to happen. When Kel Brook fights Golovkin, why is that allowed to happen? Yet you would probably say the same thing about Umar Sadiq going out and fighting Fedor Tudinov. Why is that allowed to happen? But he came good. And so it's difficult. Where's the balance between where things shouldn't happen and actually, where is there a live dog in a fight that nobody on paper should anticipate? So, so it's true, um, 100%. I think, so, obviously, I've been reasonably close to the events around the, the Tudinov fight. And it started off as an idea. And then I think, as the conversations mature, and you start to look at strengths and weaknesses, and you're like, actually, it's a, it's a good time. This is the perfect time to take on Tudinov. My logic was, he... When the lockdown happens, it brings everyone down to a base level, right? And then the race is, can you get to your potential quicker than the other guy? Now, Chudnov's not young. He's, you know, we talked about this in the context of football. You know, the body's like, oh God, I can rest now, finally. And so all the engines get turned off. Then you get told, right, you're fighting in September. 
you're not going to be the best fed or chewed enough because you probably need a fight to get it all out your system. So that's the perfect time to get at someone. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see someone go and try and fight Dmitry Chudinov as well, who's probably had more miles on the clock. Because it looks like this is an easy way to elevate your profile. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see that <sighs> happening in the near future. But I think this is what you've got to do this year. You've got to find one of those old names to elevate yourself. Or you do what your favourite boxer is doing, Martin. And you fight one of your peers and hopefully get that win. Shout October 4th. Yeah. No, look. <laughs> you know, I know people like to say that Terry's Auntie Goodwin, which I'm not. Like, you know, we talked out in, in the middle of these three episodes, me and Steve talk. We, we, there's an understanding now. And I've never been anti-Linus. Even though I'm pro-Denzel, I'm pro-Linus too. I'd like to see those guys get it on at some point. I want, I've want. i been saying this, to, I think I messaged Martin, like, what's happening with Linus? Like, this is the perfect time no, for... The- what you messaged me was, is Linus going to join the Russian um, oh, did I brigade do that? or something like that? Well, he should have done. But Dmitry Chudinov, if he fancies it. But I'm glad to see that he's getting some airtime because there's a guy that does it the right way as far as I'm concerned. I wish more people were behind him. I wish his profile was bigger because there's something about... It's the same with Ennis Brown, who won the title not long ago. I like these kids from the regions because they seem to have a more rounded perspective on things and they seem to be more accessible to a wider span of the population so i'd quite like to see how far linus goes when you really put a rocket you know what i mean on his career so i'm i'm intrigued by this one man october 4th so linus fought once on sky on the chisora white 2 pay-per-view yeah. undercard and he was dog shit that night mm-hmm. dog shit um but that was on the back of he was meant to be fighting, and then that didn't happen. He had like three camps back to back, and that was, I think, the third of the three. Like he was fighting about five weeks after he'd fought previously. He was fucking woeful that night. Still won, but it wasn't Linus as you know. And it's not how you ace an audition. No, exactly, exactly. And from what I heard, certain people at Sky said we don't ever want to see him again. Like don't bring him back, kind of thing. Um. And so it's brilliant that he is being brought back. And he's being brought back. And Hearn had said he's going to be the first one on the show that night. Him versus John Harding Jr. I was at John Harding Jr.'s last fight. It was just before lockdown. It was on the K Prosper Bill Rackman uh, undercard at Dunstable Conference Centre of all wow. places. Um, shout out Rob Martin, who was there supporting his boy John Harding Jr. He'll be at this show. Even if this show's not open to the public, fucking Rob Martin will somehow find his way He'll in. just come out under the ring. <laughs> So good. Do you know, do you know he, love he, that man. He, honestly, th- th- there'll be reports of a missing cameraman. <laughs> and Rob, Rob will be manning the hard camera. Um, so yeah, like I gave Rob a lift back to the train station that night. But um, yeah, he was up there. But John Harding Jr. looked really good in that that fight. That was his last fight just before lockdown started. Um, very aggressive front foot. He's been out training with Dillian and Xavier out in Portugal all through lockdown. All on the back of it. Um, So it's a real fight. It's a real fight for Linus. And it's on TV. And hopefully it brings the best out of him. Linus won the English title last time out against Tyler Denny. He wasn't at his best in that fight either. A lot of question marks over him. For me, personally. And I've seen him from his debut. From before his debut. All the way through to, you know, fighting live on Sky in a couple of weeks. Um, But that Tyler Denny fight was getting caught. I won't say what shot it was. Because I'm not going to give anyone any insight. 
he was getting caught with the same shot over and over again against a bigger puncher he would have been in trouble in my view um, he showed though that night that he's got heart he's got grit he's got determination all those things those intangibles that you can't account for um, so him versus Harden Jr fucking brilliant I love it because the two lads that have come up through the small hall scene they're getting their shot this is what Hearn should be doing more of it's just taking two lads from the same kind of area that have sparred before look his stable isn't really very good in the UK so yeah. take lads that aren't signed to him and just say you versus you do it like MTK are doing ultimately. Yeah, just um, he can afford to do that on his platform. He can have one slot where he goes. I'm just gonna. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna make the my business fights here. Then I'm gonna just make a fight for the hardcores. Yeah, and if the, if either of them are any good, I'll sign them. Uh, do you know if Hearn did that, I'd really like my level of respect would go through the roof. If he just said, do you know what, Coogan, on every show I'm gonna have one fight for the hardcores. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get this lad that's been knocking people out on the small hall scene, and that guy that's been knocking people out. Let's get them together. And it's always the eight o'clock fight. Yeah. Always, like get it out of the way because the hardcores can have it, and then everyone else can tune in. Yeah. And then, then Hearn can say, "Look, I gave you guys what you wanted." Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, good luck to Linus. Um, my, my only thing is, I think he puts too much stock in this idea that he's this clever counterpuncher. I think sometimes. You've got to you've got to be a bit more fluid in how you do things. So yeah, you might want to counter punch in certain fights, but there's other times where you're like, you know what, mate, I've got to be on my toes here. Or sometimes just got to be right in on him, uppercuts, hooks yeah. for the whole fight. Agree. I, th- I hope I th- we see that of him. Yeah, I, th- I think let's focus on. I, I, for him, I think he needs to focus on the performance. I think, I think the win will come. My instincts tell me the win will come, but you've got to focus on on that execution, like. Show the public that you can be a destroyer. And have they even told us where it's happening yet? They're very coy about this. Oh, be the Sky Studios, I imagine. I don't. <laughs> I know where it is. Yeah? Of course I do. What? You don't even want to tell anyone, are you? Milton Keynes. What? Yep. The home of big boxing. Right, right I'm now. announcing this before Sky. Fuck it. I don't care. Right, right. Oh, the old Mart is back. Yes. <laughs> Lawsuit Theobald. They're so, doing it the, what, uh, right next to where they film Babe Station. Only the... Only, only <laughs> the it's the not far from there, to be fair. It's only over the road. The, uh, the stadium has an arena on the back of it. So that's where they do the darts. So who else is on that show? Uh, like Watsy, um Whoever the fuck it is that he's fighting. Um... Chantel Cameron, I think, is fighting on that one. Okay. So yeah, I, as far as I'm aware, that's where they're doing it because they're they're looking at starting to bring in crowds potentially. They want to, they want it to be a test event, so they've got the the arena, which is what fifteen thousand, twenty thousand. Honestly, I've no. It's idea. not a small arena. It's on the back of the football stadium. Oh, okay. Um. And yeah, as far as I am aware, um. Fucking hell! You're asking for crowds right now when <laughs> we're about to be told to go home. From I know, work. I know. Um, so yeah, Locked as far as I'm aware, to... it will be in Milton Keynes. Andy, um, they might get you to dust off the uniform, start patrolling the streets. Yeah, <laughs> dust off the. I don't think you'd fit anymore. To be fair, man, <laughs> <laughs> I was a lot more of a racing snake back then. Um, <laughs> you were what? More of a racing snake. So I thought you said a racist snake. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hell of a confession. <laughs> Yeah, it means dust 
Dust off the Hugo Boss Nazi uniform I used to wear <laughs> 70 years ago, whatever it was. From, from the Nazis to AJ Boxing. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I find it really weird that Joshua partners up with Hugo Boss and in parallel, he's writing all these black empowerment things on Snapchat, right? And he's almost got like, no one's explained to him who Hugo Boss were. And he's just piled up with them. <laughs> and I have a feeling that Josh is going to do some reading and go, oh, this is awkward. Um, it seems like a, um, a logical um, sort of sidestep from Linus to then talk about the future of Small Hall. No, no, before we do that. Okay. Because I feel like we're stepping out of uh, lockdown at that point. Okay. Because I've not cunted off Frank Warren's shows yet. Okay, so do you want to talk about Eddie versus Frank, or we co- we co- we'll kind of whatever. Whatever. We'll cover that. Like, I feel like we've thrown an awful lot of mud at Eddie Hearn over his standard of lockdown show. And Frank was brilliant. So, okay, small hall shows. <laughs> Frank's shows were wank. Like, they were wank. And so, when you end up with, like, Carl Frampton was meant to be fighting this uh, Hungarian, Bulgarian, Romanian. I can't remember. But I don't care about his nationality. I want to know what job he has. Road... Oh, I want to know if he reads his contracts. Was he a milkman? <laughs> road sweeper man. He was a road um, sweeping milkman. Yeah. So whatever. But when it was a COVID tester, someone tweeted me saying, I wouldn't be surprised if that doesn't happen because of visa issues. Two weeks later, that fight gets cancelled because of visa issues. That same person tweeted me saying, he ought to fight Darren Trainer. Like, he's always ready. Carl Frampton ends up fighting Darren Trainer. <laughs> My guess would be, Darren Trainer was always the opponent. <laughs> and those visa issues and that foreign opponent, a, a nice, convenient smoke cloud that covers up the fact you're going to fight Darren Trainer. Darren Trainer, who's never been above area level, uh, up in Scotland. Um, look, I'm not. It's nothing against Darren Trainer. I'm friends with plenty of lads that have never been above area level. Like that's not an insult. You shouldn't be fighting a two weight world champion when you're that area level champion. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so that that in itself, garbage. Um, again, like I, I can't really remember any fights other than. Dubois beat up a Dutch punch bag. Um, Gorman's fight got cancelled because of... Um, wasn't Dubois meant to be fighting the geezer that was legit in the Olympics? Pepper. Pef- yeah, Pepper. Pfeiffer. Yeah. Um, and then that didn't happen because of some medical paperwork didn't get passed through or whatever, which happened twice during lockdown, apparently. It happened with, um, wasn't it Larty, the guy that Gorman was going to be yeah, fighting? Richard Larty. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so inconvenient. This happened twice. You'd think you'd have fucking learnt the first time, wouldn't you? So between all of this, like making these promises, so you go back to, we were going to have Leon Woodstock, Anthony Cacaccio. We were going to have Umar Sadiq versus Dwayne um, Richards. We were going to have Carl Frampton versus Bulgarian, Hungarian, Romanian, road sweeper, milkman, postman, whatever he was. We were going to have Gorman Larty. We were going to have Dubois Pfeiffer. Joyce Box as well, right? Joyce, yeah, but he fought who he was meant to fight. But my fact is, all of these broken promises around what we were going to get versus what we did get was a pile of shit. Um, garbage. The lot of it. Garbage. I, I've actually got to the point. Goes for Hearn shows, go for Warren shows. I don't care. Like I'm, I'm not yeah. watching them enough to give a shit right now. Like, 
I've always been quite open to the fact, and we'll come on to talk about it in a bit, but small hall boxing is where my interest is. So, like, I care about the bottom end of the, the ladder, the small hall side, and I care about the top end. I care about the big fights for people. There's that big gulf in the middle, which is basically what's been post-lockdown, is that big gulf in the middle of the stuff that doesn't really matter. And that's basically what both sides have served up. And when you're serving up one-sided beatdowns it shouldn't even be sanctioned in my view the board should have said no Carl Frampton can't fight trainer because that's completely illogical it's dangerous it's stupid um all of these things like Warren shows have been garbage and I'm so disenfranchised from boxing as it stands right now that- you mentioned this earlier this is because of the level of the standard of boxing basically because well, the matchmaking I think it's standard of matchmaking it's about yeah, sorry, that's what I meant. Um, so that's been going on for about nine months now, I would say, is it, is it not? For years. For years. Yeah. For absolute years. But go back to... No, uh, I meant Martin disenfranchisement. No, i tell you where it started. And I, I did a podcast on this. What 2017 gave us was this weird aberration where all these sort of, sort of things, just things seem to just happen. Came together. Yeah, like either it was mandatories or people were desperate for a chance and you had these great fights that happened in one year and all we've done since then is just gone instead of going forwards we've gone backwards and we've just delayed these fights and said we're going to make these fans pay 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 and pay again and look like they're finding out with these offices like look how many years landlords were shafting people yeah so every year your rent's going to go up by inflation plus five percent every year Well, well i can't negotiate what if what if the value of the property goes down no it doesn't matter now, all of a sudden, look what's happened. People are like, actually, I don't need these offices anymore. And <laughs> my lease ends at the end of the year. Oh, no, no, no. Why do you want to go? Look, you got all this office space. Why do you want to leave? But uh, how, uh, is, how are Pret and Costa down the road going to survive if you don't stay? <laughs> now, you see, like, like boxing fans are saying, not my problem anymore. So now you've got these landlords going, okay, you can stay here rent-free for six months. Why? Because they don't want to pay the overheads of cleaning the office. And so boxing fans are in a similar position where we found other things to do. Yeah. Like in your case, Martin, I, like, I'm still blown away by this. You've got a football team now. So, you know, you might miss a few Saturday nights because you're enjoying yourself. Andy, Twisted Echo, I hear, have a monster album coming out. They do, yeah. A lot of power ballads. Sell out tour before lockdown. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's right. It was. It's, it just because of lockdown, we weren't able to do it. And you had Guns N' Roses supporting, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, lockdown screwed us yeah. over yeah. and me look man only fans is keeping me busy so only f- <laughs> so, so, so I look how many at- you subscribe to now <laughs> oh. obviously two in this room yeah that's, with, that's your subscribers anyway yeah yeah Mr. Underwear and Angry Boxing Guy yeah <laughs> perfect no so we, we all have things that are more interesting to us now than boxing yeah and I always said you, it was a dangerous game to take boxing fans for granted because if you really think about it, Martin, right? Every five to seven years, the people that consume boxing just change dramatically. So if you ever want to believe, just go back right on your Google search, type in boxing news, and then just keep your date range to about 2010 to 2013. Look at all the names who are writing stuff then and then ask where are they now? Yeah, they're not there. Because they're just like bollocks. I can't make a living. It's an absolute joke of a sport. And so boxing chews you up, spits you out, and the cycle continues. 
and that's where we're headed right now, if I'm being honest with you. We're heading to that point now where people just drift off. What do you think the average age of a boxing fan is? And I'm going to base it on this, right? I've wanted to hang up the microphone probably for about a year now. But where are the young guys coming through in boxing with their view? Like, where are the 21-year-olds who, who are far more tech-savvy than us yeah. shooting out going, yeah, I want to talk about boxing? No, they want to talk about BMX. They want to talk about... MMA. MMA, fashion, music, DJ. They don't want to talk about gaming, yeah. They don't want to talk about boxing because they look at boxing and they go, what, a sport where the best don't fight the best? I've always thought that boxing was going to end up chewing itself and killing itself just because everyone's going to end up going, well, I'm not doing that for that. No, I'm not fighting him for that until there's nothing. And then people go, well, I'm definitely not fighting now. And then nothing ever happens. Imagine getting to a point of a sport, right, where... You can't easily fly in foreigners. We've seen that because of the issues over yeah. getting Povetkin in. You can't... You've basically forced yourself into a position where you have to shut the walls and do it all within these shores. Within reason. There are exceptions. And you've got a stable of, say, 40 people and you still can't get them to fight one another. And you yeah. still can't get them to fight the people that are down the road in the other house. Like, fuck me. You had four... Right, okay, let's go back to this Warren Hearn thing, right? And what's this, the third time we've referenced this? Why was this brought up halfway through fight camp and halfway through the Warren shows? You've just had four months where no one can do anything where you could have fucking sat on a Zoom call between Hearn and Warren and talked all this out at the beginning. And then you had four months lead time where you could have come back to boxing with these cards. And everyone except they're going to earn 30% less than in peak times. But you're giving people something that actually you can get fucking hyped about. You can build that for two months lead up time. You could have sat on that Zoom call and sorted that out at the beginning of lockdown so that you come back with that. But instead, you come back with the most mediocre, like lukewarm product... And then at the end of that mediocre, lukewarm product, you tell us about something that we would have loved to have seen when you came back. You fucking idiots! I, I'd like to How? know. I'd like to know both of your thoughts on the on the idea that something that sort of occurs to me. There's been so so long now. Hearn and Warren have said that they can't do this or they can't do that, or they're waiting for this or they're waiting for that to delay fights. How much of those delaying and stalling tactics? pollutes the environment of boxing to the point where your own fighters start not wanting to take the fights that would be you know do you know how long before it make, you've made your own life difficult later down the line does that even happen well, or is it just these this guys are all mates behavior no no but these guys are all mates they all spy each other the most thing a lot of times they're in the same gyms yep you, you mm. see them in pictures together they don't the, care who the, their promoter yeah, is the fighters just like Look, Dan Aziz fought Andre Sterling after fighting Charlie Duffield and they were all in the same gym. There's no issue. They understand it's a business, right? But it's the promoters. It's ego. And I'm struggling to understand how no one can demonstrate leadership. Like, I hear Joshua talk sometimes, right? And he's almost at the point where he almost wants to say, I'm tired of people saying I'm ducking this person. I will fight anyone. 
And I believe that. I believe Joshua would get in with Fury next. Yeah, yeah I do. I it's believe like, Fury whoa, whoa, would get in with whoa, whoa, Joshua whoa. next. Dis- what about Charles Mine? D- d- despite, <laughs> That's what you know, despite the fake staged photo in Marbella, you know, which almost makes me think these two are in on it. So someone taught me well, something. They do talk, don't they? So they, they may yeah, well be. They, they, they've been talking for ages. But the great thing about a conspiracy is this. Only ever let one person in on it, right? So either Joshua knows that this is the plan or Fury knows and the other doesn't know. And I don't know which way it is. But I'm confident they know exactly when that fight's going to happen. Someone knows exactly to the month when that fight is going to happen. I know who knows. See? Daniel Kinahan. The only man in boxing that can negotiate a 50-50 fight between them. <laughs> well, also one of the few men that had a song written about him. <clears throat> and an entire film. Is that, has that been released yet? What, have you not seen the YouTube film? No, no. Is that for an Oscar? It'd probably win. <laughs> De La Hoya, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> no, but so, so I think someone, someone knows. And if, you might be right. It might be the Fury side that knows. And, that, and so he's got that confidence that says, no, I know when it's going to happen, but I'm just going to keep needling Joshua because I know he doesn't know. And so that's where you get your build up from. I think it happened with the Hey Bell you want, where... David was in on all of this, so he knew how to provoke Bellew to get the reaction. I don't think Tony knew until after. They're like, nah, nah, Tony, Tony, he was just doing that to sell the fight. What, mate? All right, all right, hey, hey. All right, fair play, David, hey. All right. Don't even ask what accent that is. <laughs> but and that's my point. And as boxing fans, it annoys us. We don't get annoyed when they publish the fixture list for the Premier League in advance. Yep. So if someone said January 2021... Or January 2022, Joshua Fury, the first of two fights happens. Fine. I'll wait. Now that you've told me that's when it's happening, I'll wait. I might not watch any boxing until then, but I'll wait. But you you saying this after every fight like it's next, that's what's turned me off on this fight. Yep. Mm. It's, yep. Like the, it's, it's, it's like the, they, they think the football boxing fans are too stupid to, to be able to build their own anticipation. They have to let, they have to keep feeding them the prospect of it. Like, yeah, we're looking to try and get Fury next. And all the boxing fans go, oh, yeah, shit, I forgot about Tussle Fury. He's going to fight him next after every fight. Because you look <laughs> That's at all football. we're waiting for. You look at football. I'm doing you today. I'm doing all the football analogies. But when football <laughs> returned, it was all a bit like, Ugh. nobody was really comfortable with the empty stadiums, crowd noise, no crowd noise. But then they broke for the end of the season. They came back. And I think everyone's back into the flow of it now. Yeah. Like the transfer window's going. People are spending money. There's stuff to talk about outside of the 90 minutes of the game. And the games, we're kind of a little bit more used to it now. Like we're, we're kind of back into that flow of football. With boxing, I think we're miles off. And again, that goes back to you had four months to build something special to come back to. So why, why did nobody make that decision that you should actually do matchroom versus queensbury do you know why because people just stand there around going shamal motherfucker exactly exactly oh mate or, or doing karaoke to just get an extra pay-per-view sale or two or telling dominic ingle to write songs about them like it's the most short-termism possible and it's embarrassing whereas if you'd have built the product for the betterment of the sport it would have worked for the betterment of your... Because instead of having these shit fight camp cards and these shit Frank Warren cards, 
in a studio that looked so dreadful. When they did it at York Hall, it looked good, to be fair. Shout out to whoever decided to switch that around. Instead of having those four weeks, you could have had the four weeks of Matchroom versus Queensbury. How much more money would that have made for each of them? If you'd have just whacked on four pay-per-views, come back, bang, 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 bang. And of course you'd have got complaints. You did four pay-per-views week after week. But you'd have come back with a product that everyone has wanted to see for however long. It'd have been like when WWE and WCW invaded one another. That's that's exactly what it would have been. That angle of these two things that have been kept Mm. apart because of politics, because of money, because of ego, because of TV network. And actually, lockdown has brought us together and now we're going to collide the two. That is what would have got people... But but you know the challenge of boxing... I'm not even convinced. Like, if, if I got you two now and said, right, money's no option, the contracts are no option, you just set me out four pay-per-view fights play over, over four months, I guarantee, I can almost guarantee that a, a high percentage of people wouldn't complain because the fights they'd be getting would be like, right, okay, I'm happy to pay for yeah, that. If you're telling I'm, me you've got Dillian White versus Daniel Dubois, you've got Fury Joshua... You've got Joe Joyce versus Derek Chisora. You've got Boazzi versus Yard. That's just four. That's your four right. headline <laughs> fights. Then bang, you build bang, bang, the bang, four bang. cards underneath yeah. those fights. Fuck, I man! Like that is. It's not. It's actually not hard. And to, it's, uh, I'm, I'm sure that there are egos involved. Whatever. But what I mean is, from actual uh, a a a, an, a construction of a fight card that people aren't going to be complaining about. F- especially given the starvation they've had. Yeah. Like, if you've had four months of pay-per-views, yeah, people are going to... Some people will be ratty, like, fucking hell, paid last month. Shut do, up, mate. Do you know what I'd, watching. Do you, do you know what I would have loved? I'd have loved Sky and BT to have sat down and maybe have got someone who knows boxing, like a Jimmy Tibbs or a Dennis Hobson in, drawn up a list of fights that would do numbers, right? And then all you have on TV, wherever you want to have it, Sky or BT, Hearn and Warren, separate tables. They each pick a fight, yep. one after the other. That would have been like, ah, oh, you know, someone picks Joshua Fury. Then Live draft. Yes. <laughs> that would have been the awesome. The draft would have been pay-per-view. <laughs> it <laughs> would. Especially when you get those two characters of Hearn and Warren, who yeah. are synonymous with not liking one another, have never met one another. First time they've ever met, bring them in through different doors in a darkened room, sitting down at the table. Now let's see what happens. 100%. And there are all of these things boxing could have done. But the problem you have with boxing, ultimately, apart from the fact that they just try and take money off people, is, and it's a problem you have in rugby, you only ever let insiders into decision-making positions. So if you look at rugby, the problem in rugby at the moment is, how do we stop people getting broken in half, right? Because the average career is dropping from like seven years to like four years. And guys are leaving, unable to bend down, unable to move, can't really text or anything because their hands are shot. And so so all of this head impact and all these head trauma things in games are fantastic, right? Nothing happens on the training ground. So outsiders come in and look at rugby and they go, why do you do contact twice a week, every week? Like your elite level rugby players, right? Look at the NFL. The NFL, I don't think they do contact in, in season, right? They don't do contact. So Sunday or Saturday, whenever you're playing, is when you have your contact. In the week, you might 
have a little 10 minute session just to get the body used to it but you don't have contact and they also play like what 13 games a season 16 yeah so uh, uh, maximum and, and when I've spoken to Americans before years ago but like you get like seasoned American football fans they're like there's no way they could play more than that the guys will break Whereas rugby, I'm I'm not an avid rugby fan by any means. Thirty five games. Like I was going to say, you hear a lot about rugby. Thirty five games. That's your contract. So your contract Jesus with England God. is you can't play more than thirty five games. Now, wow. if you're someone like a Marco Vinopolo, you're a prop. You're playing sixty minutes of thirty five games because they can't drop you. You're too good, and then you're doing full contact in training. Yeah, that is mad, isn't it? But the problem is, these insiders are so used to this idea that the only way you can be fit on a Saturday is to do contact in the week. And you've got the same challenge in boxing, right? They use, they use the 1980s tactics to still drive boxing because they're afraid of getting outsiders in. You, yep. you, if you got outsiders in, boxing would be a completely different product. Yeah, And so instead, you end up as the, the sum result of all of it is Hearn complaining that they never really... Well, not complaining, but commenting they never made money out of it they clearly use that white pay-per-view to sweep up the losses of the other shows you end up with warren saying we aren't making any money out of this we're purely doing it so that we keep fans engaged with boxing you could have both made money out of this you could have both made something bigger than the sum of its parts you could have both returned the sport in a better how many other sports could have done this you could have returned the sport in a better way than what you left it pre-lockdown how, how many other sports them, could have done it you how much of them do you think is fear that they will take that gamble and it won't pay off do you know and what they've cashed in all their chips maybe it's simpler than that maybe it's just that boxing was one of the few sports that couldn't really lose money because if no one's boxing you're not paying purses whereas in football you're still paying ozil 350 grand a week <laughs> so you're like yeah, we we need we need to play and we need fans in the stadium to pay this lazy bastard Essentially. But he didn't even agree the pay cut, did he? <laughs> <laughs> he was still on the 350. Brilliant. Nice. But, but that's the... So, boxing, it was like, well, okay, how much money are you losing by not hosting? Yeah, just whatever it's costing to keep the staff, but they're mostly con contracts I could terminate anyway. So, you're like, well, you're not under pressure to make it happen. But the way... I keep saying this, the way to hurt these promoters is when they start trying to get these pay-per-views going, which they're going to do when we get Chisora Usyk, Joyce Dubois, uh, Joshua Pulev, White Povetkin 2. Don't pay for them. Stream them. Amen. Stream them. Amen. And then we'll get these, you know, we cop and will go silent again, like he did for, for White Povetkin. And all of a sudden you realise you can't shut. We can't have much... Okay, after that brief wee break, let's uh, let's move on to small hall then. That's Scottish. So wee break. Yeah, that's it. That's exactly it. I just terrible accent. I was born in Inverness. Were you? Were you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just I just never picked up the accent. Just sound like I come from Milton Keynes. So uh, fair one. Small hall scene. Right on to where the next is... subject. <laughs> so where is the small hall? What is the future for small hall? I guess is the is the most pertinent question to ask. After this lockdown period, you cannot have a small hall boxing scene without a vaccination or without um, social distancing being removed entirely, which I think probably does require a vaccination. Because it's entirely dependent on fan attendance. Yeah. The model is based upon ticket selling. Right. And so if you can't sell 
tickets and you can't set out a venue such as your call, you can't put on a show because you can't pay for... Unless you can get in... You know, a big sponsor or something. I take it there's been no small hall action since, what, February, March, something like that? Um, yeah, I mean, off TV. So you've had, um, you know, a show at York Hall. The Frank Warren shows have been at York Hall. Josh Taylor fights next weekend at York yes. Hall. Um, but, yeah, the off TV. The closest you've had, I guess, is like Mick Hennessy. But that's still on TV. It's on Channel 5. But there's been nothing run. Uh, no, there was one, wasn't there? Um... Oh, yeah, up in the Midlands somewhere. It was a Midlands area title fight. Oh, they had Tundane's Spencer doing the commentary. Spencer Fearon, yeah. Uh, crikey, I can't remember who it was. It was fighting, but Ben Fields won. Um, ben Fields five. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, so, I, you know, either you don't have small hall boxing and it will die a death, ultimately, which saddens me because I'm a small hall boxing fan. It'll delight Terry. Uh, <laughs> um, or or they have to find a new model and the only way you can do that is to either get the sponsorship or think creatively around some form of like paywall that sits and you know you charge it out at £3 per view or whatever um, but outside of that there, there is no future for it okay but so let's look at that Remember when we tried to do that? Hold just on, guys, I need, I need you to nurse that microphone a little bit better. Uh, you could put uh, closer to you if you want. Oh, come here, baby. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's um, that's wonderful. I mean, remember when they was it you that tried to say, "Look, put some money in for Render versus Mackenzie." Yep, it was me that tried to raise. How, how a, many people put money in? So uh, to roll that back. Mackenzie versus uh, Leon Mackenzie versus Cello Render was the f- the fight of that year. Like for me, it was exceptional. I remember this, yeah. Um, and so people were screaming out for, "Oh, release the footage! Release the footage!" Because Eric Guy was there. Eric Guy films every small hall <laughs> fight uh, from York Hall. He just puts his camera on a tripod and then sits down for the. And he has like the, the oldest night. camera, so basically your phone is better than his camera, hundred percent and nearer. Yeah, <laughs> but but and, and also the great thing about Eric Guy videos is you just hear him having a chat about yeah. something completely unrelated. Yeah, it's, it's all of this is true, but he's got the whole fight on DVD, um, and that the, the ownership of it, the propriety of it, is Steve Goodwin's and Eric's. I think is how it works, or whoever's show it is and Eric's. So Eric basically sends a copy to Steve, kind of gratuitously or whatever I don't know um, gratuity sorry so all these people screaming out for release the fight footage we've heard it's brilliant um, and Steve's view of it was always yeah it was brilliant and that's <laughs> you why you should have paid there. money to be there <laughs> which is fair enough don't have an issue with that and he's saying you know there's no incentive to release this because it doesn't benefit anyone other than if you weren't there. And if you weren't there, it's because you chose not to be there. Yeah. So I said, what if I could raise, I think it was a thousand pounds. Yeah, I think that's what it was, isn't it? And they could each have... Between everyone in the world, <laughs> everyone in the world can chip in for this. I'll raise a GoFundMe page, which I did. And if we raise a thousand pounds, I'll immediately send 500 pounds to Leon and I'll send 500 pounds to Cello. And then you can release the footage onto YouTube. Cool. I think we raised £250 or something. £100 of which Shaz put in. We all know Shaz in a roundabout way. Shaz is a legend of a person for a multitude of reasons. 
gives out tickets to people that need tickets, buys tickets from boxers that need to sell tickets, puts money into things on the quiet, doesn't ask for anything in return. I'm going to give him a thanks anyway because he yeah. deserves it. So thank you to Shaz for all that you do for boxing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So look, the whole boxing community, people that weren't even that into boxing wanted to see the fight because they'd heard about it. How the many people actually you... got in touch asking to, for the footage to be released? Oh, hundreds would have been it was a lot of people so, so loads. if you'd have put a quid in each oh really it was that many it's that many <laughs> if you were asking for it to be released why wouldn't you put money in to get because, it well, no no because standard boxing logic I want everything but I don't want to pay for it that's really and, and so while people are against pay-per-view I get pay-per-view because pay-per-view is the only way you show you value something it is if I give if I listen, if I give it to you for free, you don't value it, and that's one of the things DAZN are learning the hard way. You know, if you say, "Oh well, pay per views are over," we don't value. There's 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 nothing special about what you're doing, and so no no sorry sorry for disrupting, but that that that's the point, right? You got 140 something minus shares. Yeah, that's what you. So the paywall thing kind of dies a death, unfortunately, because fans haven't had a chance to emotionally invest in a lot of these guys. No, agree. Um, you know, ultimately, if you're a boxer and you are you were previously tasked with selling 100 tickets at an average of 50 quid to your friends, your family, etc., you've now got to sell at five quid each. What are we looking at? 800. 800 to 900 to view you behind a, a paywall at a fiver each. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. You don't know enough people. None of us know enough people that we can start doing that. It doesn't work. Like that model doesn't work unless you get a uh, a sponsor on board. So unless someone can think creatively in a way that I haven't, that doesn't involve sponsors, doesn't involve paywalls, doesn't involve someone like Fight TV getting involved, all those things, those methods are pretty much exhausted. Like promoters have looked at them and they've decided they don't work. So unless someone can find the model that does work or someone can find a vaccine, yeah. there is no return. Yeah, so, so let's you come need back. someone to have a proof of concept that it can, you can do it online and make money. Don't you well, basically? Well, well you, almost, you, know, you actually don't even want that because the minute you do it, someone's going to jump all over it and fuck your shit up. Someone so, will find a way to hack it and so, put it out for free. So let's say, for example, no, no, let's say, for example, I hear Martinson talks with Volkswagen. I know they've got presence in Milton Keynes. Right, Martin's got Volkswagen potentially as a sponsor for a series of four fights this year. I will phone Volkswagen and go, mate, these are the best fights he can offer you. They're terrible. Look at the fights I can offer you. That's how boxing works. So you almost don't even want to prove that there's another way of doing things because some sneaky bastard will try and usurp you. <clears throat> yep. And so here's where we're at. But it's a co- this is all a consequence of promoters and trainers not trainers managers being lazy for years right let's start with managers for me a good manager like if i'm managing uh which one of you is johnny fleshlight okay all right so if i'm managing you johnny what what are you on about (laughs) son eh (laughs) by the way your missus your missus voices on that that was all i listened to i'm not gonna lie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah you know. Johnny Fleshlight's doing really well at the moment he's uh, he's in a he's is he in, fighting in Russia he's, he's, he's been fighting his way through Russia yeah <laughs> he's, no. he's almost out of the coma now isn't he <laughs> yeah. 
he's unfortunately he's in a coma in the back of Rick's car, hooked up to a, a saline drip. Was Rick the Welsh guy? No, Rick was his manager. Who's the Welsh Rick, guy? Rick is his manager. Who's the Welsh guy that Martin did? Oh, hello oh, there, that's his mate Dan. Even I don't remember. Ah. Uh, uh, <laughs> no, but look, if I'm managing the Welsh, you, right, the Welsh Russian. No, no, so if I'm managing you, right? My my model in my head is this, Johnny. All the revenue I generate from you, I want 10%, right? All right, fight purses we can discuss separately, but the money I generate for you, I want 10, maybe 15, I don't know. If I'm, if I'm Ted, 20. Your fees are a lot better than Rick's. <laughs> <laughs> but, but basically, that incentivizes me to look outside of boxing for people who will engage with you, right? And over time, as long as I deliver, I have those corporate relationships that I can then leverage. This is how every other sport works. But boxing managers, what, mate? What I'm here to do is to make sure promoters don't shaft you. You know what I mean? What about getting me some sponsors who could help me? Well, you don't want all of that hassle, mate. Yeah, you're just a fighter, mate, yeah? We just get your purses, get you a little Commonwealth of British, yeah? That's what managers do. They just sit there. And, and so what we've done is we've created a perverse incentive for managers where like, let's take Steffi Ball. Steffi just hoovers up guys in South Yorkshire and goes, essentially, I hold these guys hostage. So when Hearn comes to Sheffield, he's got to do business with me. I don't really care about them individually, but collectively, I'm like a union in South Yorkshire. You can't have a show without Steffi Ball. It's a smart move if you're a manager, but it does nothing for the fighter. Now, if we can get managers to work on growing the commercial potential of certain fighters, then when this sort of situation happens, at least you've got corporate relationships that you can say, actually, if, if six of you guys put in this much money, we can put on a show. As much as I agree with you, and I do entirely, <clears throat> uh, 85, 90% of small hall boxers are worth fuck all commercially. Yeah. And that's, look, I'm mates with a lot of the ones I'm talking about. <sighs> look, then they're not they're not worth anything. Like they might get the local scaffolding company, they might get the local food company, they might get the local erection, erection pills company. Erection company. <laughs> they might get all these people to chuck in 150 quid each that covers some of their medicals, covers their uh license fee, etc. But outside of that, like some guy who's three and oh has beaten, you know, four road sweepers, bin men, postmen, whatever whatever we want to go with, they're not worth this is horrible. And it's not as I as I say it, but they're not worth anything commercially. It's true. And and this is their fault. Like the number of conversations I have with people. You know what though, Terry, you know, still fam, listen, listen, I'm gonna do this protein, brother. I'm gonna do this protein. Okay, why are you gonna do the protein? The I love the idea. Dead. Why are you going to do the protein? Right, the amateur team's <laughs> dead for me because the amateur team's dead. But you've had four amateur fights. I know, but I've been sparring enough blood. You get me? I've been sparring enough. Okay, look, the rights and the wrongs of it are not my business. Can you tell me right now 50 people that will buy a ticket off you? Yeah. 20? <laughs> okay. So I... The pro thing's dead for you, my friend. Yeah. yeah. If you can't name me 50 people that will buy tickets off you, you can't go pro. The minute you know you can go pro is when you can write down 50 names and be confident they'll buy a ticket off you. Because those, the first 50 will be the hardest. The second 50, easy. Because once the first 50 come, they might say, actually, I need a ticket for my mate. Yep. But that's how it works. And a lot of these guys, 
like people always go, oh, well, yeah, yeah, this guy did it on the small hall scene. Ricky Hatton had a machine behind him. Hatton's whole family were invested in Ricky and they were going down the pub and selling tickets. It was a machine. And a lot of these kids haven't thought in those terms. I know of a certain small hall lad who's... <laughs> you probably know I'm on about when I describe the system. Whose dad, basically, is uh, somebody you wouldn't want to piss off. Hence why I'm choosing my words carefully. <laughs> Had then like a pyramid scheme whereby if he started off with 500 tickets, he gives four people underneath him... <laughs> I mean, I'll just say 500 tickets yeah right he, he picks five people underneath him keep my math simple 100 <laughs> tickets each and then those people like they've got to sell those 100 tickets and he wants the money back 100 times 50 quid or whatever he wants that money back how they choose to get rid of those tickets is up to them but then they've got to get rid of their 100 tickets so those people will go and like so it's get... like a reverse pyramid scheme a reverse of pyramid terror scheme. yeah so basically if any point of failure then the geezer at the top is going to come looking for you so this one lad could easily without ever touching anything himself sell 500 tickets because if any of those tickets went unaccounted for the old man at the top is going to start coming looking for people and he didn't care who showed up just give me the money oh exactly it doesn't if no one turned up, as long as the money comes back, that's all that matters. <laughs> the reverse pyramid scheme. Yeah. And, 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 wow. And so I think after. Do you know what I'm on about? Uh, I'll tell you what. No, 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 no. Yeah. Uh, oh, don't say I'm, I'm going to do the initials in the wrong order, but they'll be the right letters DKD. Yep. Yeah. Uh,. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin De Bruyne. Oh no, no, no. Yeah. no so, so I've said it before. There's too many people trying to make a living from boxing. Too many. There's too many small hall shows. There's too much. There's too much that because people have been sold a dream that this pro thing is easy, and like this lockdown has been a reminder that some of these guys should have been delivering groceries through this lockdown instead of sitting by the phone, as they like to say. They should have. And, and I'm the biggest small hall advocate out of the three of us. Yeah. But ultimately, look. Are they like are they like Danny Rose in that Tottenham documentary? Any word from Milan? <laughs> no. Bournemouth might have you. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see somebody put it on Twitter earlier? Maybe I'll send it to you. Um, there was a clip of that bit of Danny Rose sat with Jose and he's going, oh, yeah, well, you know, if you think I'm shit, I'm going to go and see Daniel. I'm going to go and see Daniel. And you see Jose with this look of like stern look on his face, and Danny gets up. I'm going to go and tell Daniel about this, and then it fades out, and it fades into Reggie on holding up the number three shirt for Spurs. <laughs> 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 it just said a short life story. <laughs> oh wow! Um, but yeah, no, look, that small hall system scraped by. The margins were so tiny that for something like this to happen, it collapses, immediately collapses. Terry's right. There are too many people. I've sat through too many shows at York Hall of 15 fights that ultimately, you know, you start to question your existence after the seventh fight, the eighth fight. But there's a passion there for me. That's why I'll sit and do it. And if it returned tomorrow, I'd still go back and I'd do it again tomorrow because that's a passion for me. But the system in and of itself is flawed and will not be able to return 
without something in place that allows a thousand, one thousand two hundred people back through the door of York Hall. We all know that isn't happening anytime soon. But I will say this though: the maddest <coughs> thing I heard was when I heard Dennis Hobson's going to do the drive-in show, the drive-in one. But I was like, at least you're trying something. Yeah, give it a go. Dog in boxing. I'm up for that. <laughs> so no, kudos, kudos to him. And I think, I think, I think Den, Den's the sort of guy who will try any and everything to put a show on. That's, they did it in Germany, I think. Um, there was a show in Germany that did it. I don't know how successful it was. That would be mental. It would just be. Beep, 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 beep. It's mad, isn't it? But fair play. Like, fair play. If you, As long as you keep hustling. But this is, and I guess this is the difference between promoters and boxers, right? The people who saw the bump in the road and said, I'm going to find a way around it. Kudos to you. The people who have sat there and waited for the storm to pass, I'm not, I'm not feeling that. And whether you're a boxer, manager, or promoter, I'm not feeling that because I, I, this is my favorite memory. I've got a friend, Bianca. She's a personal trainer exercise instructor as soon as the government said gyms were shut they think they did it on the friday on yes, the monday on the monday she was delivering groceries and i thought i respect that because it may not be what you wanted to do growing up but you've just realized that for now there's no money yeah therefore i've got to make money and i always go back to something porky used to say about clinton woods where clinton's view was i don't see why boxers don't have a job especially if you're on the way up because you only train twice a day for two hours max. What are you doing with the rest of the time? You don't, and he's like, don't say rest because you're not. Steve Goodwin's view is that every boxer up to British title point should have another job. Agreed. Because ultimately, even when you're British title level, it doesn't mean you're getting money for life. You should have another trade, another skill, another thing to fall back on and also something that tops up your... Your wage, your purses, you're kind of going through the so, system. Yeah. British title level, up to that point, you should be earning That's, through something else as well. Because when I talk to JP, I always remind him, boxing's not a job. It's a platform. Now, you need to leverage that platform into something that works for you. Because if you get that exposure on TV, fantastic. But you've got to turn it into something. I always laugh at him and go, why don't you take up acting? You know, I say joking around, but why don't you take up acting or... You know, use this platform into and then turn it into something that is more sustainable than boxing. Not because I don't believe in you, but because it'll be a waste of a platform. Listen, if you gave me 30 minutes on TV ever, I'm going to flip that. You know, like how these Big Brother people sometimes extend their careers and you're like, fair play, you use Big Brother for good. Yep. That's how you got to treat boxing. The people who <laughs> treat it like it's a job tend to do the, are the ones who do the least well out of it. Or someone that goes on Love Island. And then... Ah, that's the first person that came into my head as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know. Mate, listen... If only I'll... he was given a really good opportunity to showcase his skills. And to earn shitloads of money yeah. in the process. Well, Steve offered him 125. I know he did. You know. And that was real money. That he wasn't interested know. in well, taking. Well, yeah, was, that the, was, that that same, was that that same yard bullioni money? <laughs> <laughs> no so for anyone who doesn't know like Idris Virgo being a bit of a dick uh, I think you summed it up quite well on Twitter that, like is this what boxing has come to is because you cause have to I thought it was a setup. yeah it wasn't it wasn't really um, yeah I, and I know it wasn't so he's got a journeyman who who was was it seconds out that were doing the head to head uh... I'm sure seconds out were involved in it so the Danny Flexen platform um 
where they had Idris Virgo versus a journeyman, Scott Williams. Williams. Um, and the guy who was presenting the head-to-head started it by saying Idris Virgo versus the undefeated Scott Williams. Well, the unwinning Scott Williams, didn't he mean? I think that's what he meant. I'm 99.9% sure if you went back and watched it, he called him the undefeated. I'm like, the guy's had seven fights and lost them all. (laughs) (laughs) He's literally the opposite of undefeated. Um, But yeah, who has a head-to-head for a start between you and a guy that's lost all seven of his fights? Why does it need that 15-minute sit-down over a table? I just had a flashback. Does anyone remember? It's one of my favourite Miles Shinquin tweet. There were two guys on the card that had never won a fight <laughs> facing each other. And Shink was just gone, someone's always got to go. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant. <laughs> Fair play. Fair play. So yeah, it gets up. Uh, Idris Virgo pours this bottle of water over a man who's there. His job is to progress Virgo's career. He's there to teach Virgo some tricks and skills in the ring and to lose. And Virgo gets up and does that. He's a dick move, whatever. Um... Yeah, and then like... Oh, right, yeah, I remember this. Yeah, 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 so this sparks... But he keeps his cool, doesn't he? Yeah, the guy's like, just sits there. And eventually they fight and Idris Virgo yeah. wins 40-36. What an exciting fight. Um, but he wins. And that sparks like Twitter to go mad. Like you end up with Liam Williams. Like I wouldn't want to be on the wrong end of Liam Williams getting annoyed. But he's like, I'll come to your gym and I'll fucking spar you myself. I'll like, tell me where you train. I'll come and do it. And Idris Virgo's just replying with all these gifts. <laughs> it did amuse me a little bit, if I'm honest. <laughs> just gifts of like a girl in a little pink car. <laughs> um. So yeah, like no surprise to see Danny Connor sticking his oar in. Oh, I would have done this. Oh, I'd do that to him. Sweat. Yeah. So Goodwin offered him um to fight Brad Pauls. Like, either on his own show or st- on one of Steve's shows, if they ever get to put one on again. If he beats, he'll get paid his purse, but if he beats Brad Pauls, Steve would personally give him £100,000. If he knocked Brad Pauls out, he'll top it up by another £25,000. Idris Virgo turned that down. And then turned it down. Steve of, the only reason Steve was doing it was to boost his own profile. Yeah, and like, <laughs> you're saying. Yeah, so I mean, Brad Paul smashes Idris Virgo into tiny little pieces and leaves him. No, I tell you who I'd want him to. I tell you who I want him in with, Zach Chelly. Yeah, because because Zach Zach will administer the right kind of discipline in that ring. Don't underestimate what Brad would do to him. Brad Brad is a hellacious puncher. Like he would hurt him. No, I think so, but but he wouldn't. You know how like Zach is just all or nothing. There's just. <laughs> Yeah, Zach is all business. It's all like, I'm going to do a 360 if I miss. Yeah, yeah. Um, so look, uh, he's not worth the, the exposure. Um, but, you know, when his next fight is against a Hungarian, Croatian, Romanian, Latvian, bin man, postman, milkman, etc. Then Dog groomer. Just remind him that he's a fucking... But uh, I'll be honest. <laughs> There's a time when that guy would never have boxed again after doing that. Yes. And, and that, that honor aspect of boxing is the most upsetting thing. Yes. And it's why people get disillusioned because, okay, I can kind of live with the idea that you're going to talk to me about building fighters, yada, yada, yada. But there came a point when there'd be a handshake because you knew what you were about to do the next day or the day after. And when I saw that, I was like, this has to be rigged because 
A, why is this being allowed? B, why are you even broadcasting that? Yep. That was my thing. Why are you broad? It was like the, the Prince Patel interview on IFL where Coogan put that out. And I thought, wait, why would you even put that out? There's some things where we, we need to exercise a degree of maturity and go, this isn't good for the sport. Nobody benefits from yeah. this. Um, I agree. And look, Virgo is building his career and, you know, I'm sure he'll be managed correctly. Well, he's and, not building, is he? He's kind of existing in the sport. Yeah, no, you're right. And like the fight he doesn't need right now is Brad Paul's. And I think when Virgo did this, he clearly knew the backlash that he was going to get. But I think he maybe underestimated the fact that somebody would actually put the money on the line. Because at that point, it's quite a big... Uh, you have to row that boat fairly far back to shore to duck out of that. Well, why doesn't Steve ever put money up for me? To, to do what? I don't home. care. C- come on a podcast against me, Steve. If you can get one up over on me, you know what I mean? You know, I, might, I might give you 125 grand. I mean, let, let, let's do that. Well, you just reverse this offer. I'm yeah. not even sure what his business model is. Steve's going to offer you 125k to come yeah, on the podcast man. to try and win 125k. No, no, we, no we, all, we all put in the pot, man. We all put in the pot. Winner takes all. I might do that live on live on YouTube. Well, pay-per-view. I'm happy to host it if I'm part of the winner takes all part. Nah, come Are on, you two man. chucking you, 125k? Just, I'll hold the money. <laughs> <laughs> Martin, who won? Martin? <laughs> Martin's just driving off with Steve. Like, yeah, hey, well done, mate. Martin's driving off in a 250 grand car. <laughs> Cheers, I don't, know, lads. I don't know where the money's gone, mate, but this is one sick Prius. <laughs> <laughs> Do not abuse my Prius. Just, just got this off George Jetson. Just like gold wheeled Prius. <laughs> Bit my <right>. Spinners. <laughs> no, but no, just to summarize, I think. Small hall boxing and amateur boxing are in a dark, dark place yeah. right now. Like when I talk to the guys about where's the amateurs, I'm like, I can't see us fighting before 2021. And even then I'm like, well, how do you do it? Because most of the officials are old guys. So you, do yep. you really want old guys in a working men's club for six, seven hours? Probably not. You know, can you even sell tickets, make it viable? Probably not. So you just got to park it for now. And that's a real shame. The gym's all open though, right? Uh, managed carefully so you can't just have a free-for-all like you used to yeah like from from our perspective we're refurbing our gym at the moment so it's kind of hard to get in you know but we're open if you want to pop in Danny Connor you know (laughs) (laughs) if you still it will be a free-for-all oh damn right (laughs) but so so I worry and the reason I worry is it won't take kids long to turn off no I agree and then you're like, okay, now the sport's done. In the same way as adults, you know, we turn off from boxing over the period of lockdown because there's nothing to come back to. Yeah. You know, your your lads, your young lads are coming through boxing because their school have told them to go or their mate goes or whatever. Yeah. There's other things now that can take that, fill that vacuum. Yeah. Look, and that'd be sad. It's where we're headed. Boxing's a dying sport. There's no question about that. If you look at sport generally, participation levels are low. If you look at kids, just resilience is down. Physical capabilities are down. Like, we're just a less fit and less active nation. And so, consequence of that is that sport starts to suck. Yeah. I can't put it any other way. Uh, shh, you wanted to talk about Carl Frampton? I just wanted to laugh at it, really. We'll try and keep this to a minimum, because I know you're tight for yeah. time now, Andy. I certainly am. So he's gone to court with Barry McGuigan over in Ireland. Um, and the first set of hearings was last week. 
And just some of the stuff that came out of it was hilarious. Oh, like like Shane slagging off Carl. Carl's finished. And all that. Yeah. But like he said, he'd, he'd never um, read the contract that was put in front of him. Um, so this is all about him leaving the McGuigans and joining MTK as advisors. Sorry, they're not managers. Um, the, the, the highlight to me was the part about the taxes in America. Did you see that? No, no, no. He blew the lid on what every boxer ever does in America. He blew the fucking lid on it. Every boxer must have been going, "Oh, cheers, dickhead." Um, <laughs> in, in in like explain. So he said basically, what we were told and what we've all done is go to America and fight and declare a lower purse than what we're actually taking home, because then you pay the lesser tax and then you just get that topped up by like a sponsor or another form of income tops up your purse so that it's not taxed. He went and told the court that. <laughs> no, so so remember when I used to say Hearn is lying about Wilder's purses because Wilder earns a lot more than yeah. Hearn was claiming. They've been doing that in America for ages because the problem you have is if you fight in a high state, a high tax state, that's where you got to pay the. That's where you get hit hardest. I, so so you're like, all right, let me let me have a respectable purse that doesn't look like we're taking the piss, and then when I get back to my home state another income stream will drop here because normally boxers live in a low-tax state. So Hopkins lives in Delaware, for example, which is a low-tax state. Um, the guys that live in Vegas, low-tax state. And so that's how they've always done it. So look at... <coughs> um, I know some people that were involved with <coughs> Tom Dallas when he went and fought Charles Martin Was that, that be Steve? No. Steve was there. It wasn't him, though. I know oh. other people that were involved with it. Dallas, how many people did Dallas have around him? Big team. Fucking hell. Um, and yeah, like the declared purse for Tom Dallas to fight Charles Martin is nothing like what Tom Dallas took home. But if he'd have declared what he was going to get paid for it, then he would get taxed for all of it. Right. So yeah, boxing's been doing this for eons. And then Carl Frampton turns up in a court and goes, um, yeah, so... <laughs> the whole of boxing must have gone... Uh, Bastard, Carl! Right, right. <laughs> you've ruined it for all of us now. So there's Tommy Coyle. There's like, always one. Yeah, Tommy Coyle had to send back all those school uniforms he's bought for the kids yeah, of Carl. <laughs> Taxman's knocking again. Yeah, and the problem is, like the American tax authority, Uncle Sam, the IRS, whatever you want to call them, militant. If they want to go back and revisit all of this, everyone's paying. Yeah, I mean, you do not want to be well, Julian true, Assange yeah, living in an embassy. It's like there is no statutory limit, statutory limitations for them, is there? It's like, you know, you didn't, your granddad didn't pay those taxes back for 120 years ago. Well, afternoon, and with interest. So uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of stuff. You know, they um, the McGuigan side queried the Daniel Kinahan side with Frampton, which is quite interesting. So what I can say is, having seen having seen these guys in the gym. This is a tough one because I don't think Shane and Carl had problems in the time that I was on. They, they got on really well, actually, just watching the dynamic. I think the challenge has been, and I think you've seen it in the defections, right? The challenge has always been Barry and his alleged love of a pound note. Hmm. I know me saying this probably, she's probably kicked a hole in my relationship with Shane because Tebbit loves to listen to this and go, Shane, you'll never guess what was just said about you. Yeah, that's why you get the name Rodent. But in essence, that's what people, so people are like, nah, I love training with Shane. 
But then there's the, you know, there's what comes with it and people don't want that. And so I thought this would be resolved behind closed doors. And I thought MTK would just say, look, Barry, why don't you come on board? You be our global ambassador. Like you're a unifying force in Ireland. Da, 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 da. Or here's a watch. Yeah. Maybe, let's just make this go away. But clearly, I think there's a principled stand being made here that says we've lost out on a bucket load of money and like Cyclone has, and they've got to recoup it somehow. Um, a quick word I thought on the proposed, whether it will happen or not, Tyson-Roy Jones Jr. fight. Will it ever happen? I don't see it happening. And I cite what I said about Nigel Ben. These guys can all dish it out. That's not hard. Like anyone can swing a punch. What's going to happen when you've got to take those shots on a 50-something-year-old body? Yeah. You, you've got to, at some point, you've got to spar someone, right? And then we're going to hear the stories about how, you know, you, you're losing your balance. Like, I watch Roy, and Roy's hands look amazing, but watch his legs. His legs are all over the place. Look at Danny Williams out in Russia the other week. Like, we don't need to see more of this. No. And I know it's different in that Danny Williams has been active throughout the years, but, but it's not that different, in all honesty. That punch resistance goes, and it goes exponentially. Yeah. Did, um, I know uh, Roy Jones Jr., did he come through the Russian youth setup? Because I know he's Russian. Who <laughs> <laughs> was it he was giving a shout-out to the other week? <laughs> Might have been even Chudinov, I'm not sure. He's like The headline was, Jones congratulates his countryman, Chudinov. <laughs> <laughs> but, but isn't the problem with... with, with so I think the cha- but d- doesn't Jones owe yes. Russians? Uh, they paid his tax bill, right? So Roy Jones owes these guys a fair whack. And that's why he was fighting out in Russia till he paid that yeah. debt off. So I don't think he's paid the debt off yet. I'd imagine you don't leave until you do. <laughs> that's why he had to get that citizenship so they can extradite. That's why he fought Macronelli, wasn't it? Where he got iced. <sighs> Sad. I don't want to see him come back for the record. I know he's talking about a comeback. No. Stop. Does anyone ever want to see any boxer come back? Once they're gone, Oscar. most people are... Well, it's the fight we've been crying out for. Canelo. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's elite level. Yeah, it's the, it's the premier of, of Oscar's fights. still got the blueprint. <laughs> I love the fact that Golovkin wasn't in that list either. And it's so mental. Well, well, <laughs> no, MMA fighter or your promoter. But I think no the, one else. I think the point is, Canelo's just so like... So mental. Canelo's like, I'm not going to fight Golovkin. Unless you give me silly money, you got to top up this. 30, you got to top up this thirty-six million for me oh, to fight Golovkin. Yeah, me. Um, right. AOB, nah. Really good. Yeah. Oh, excellent. I get to probably have a shower before work. That'll be that'll be wonderful. Ah, uh, you know, blessings on top of blessings. Mm. Anything exciting? What you have set up a football team? <clears throat> I have. Uh, shout out to Brooklyn and Broughton Veterans Football Club. Um. And the sponsors, Goodwin Financial. No, <laughs> iLab Systems. Big up yourselves. iLab um, Systems across the front. Now, nah, look, it's it's a phenomenal thing. Like, I'm not bigging myself up. I mean it as a project that, and as a community as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, I said, I was explaining this to Terry on the way over. I said to my wife, I've lived on this estate for five years. I don't know any other men. That's my fault entirely. Because um, you never talk to them when they climb in the car. so so all about the doggy (laughs) the lights are never on um yeah so put it out facebooked it long story short 25 men came back saying yeah let's all get together was that 25 patriots (laughs) call yourself a patriot you better be in london on saturday Andy joshua 
<laughs> Is this what you're on about, Anthony Joshua? You were there, weren't you, little mix? Little mix? You were there, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> right, I'm off to Spain, you lot. <laughs> I'm not coming back. <laughs> That's the best thing. You racist little prick. Um... So yeah, nice. Uh, it's been brilliant. So we've got all these blokes together. So blokes who never knew one another. Um, blokes who have been trapped indoors for four months. Blokes who needed an outlet. Blokes who are now friends that weren't friends six months ago. Um, so yeah, it's been brilliant. Kudos on that. Like, like honestly, congratulations. I, I just, I love hearing stories like that, where you're just like, you know what? Yeah, I get that. Yeah, no, nah, it's been good. It's been good. You won't want to um, listen to the results. Uh, <laughs> we've only played one league game didn't go our way no, no, no. Um, but it's all standards it's uh, it's good fun but um, nah nah um, are you back recording full time now uh, I think this is probably my last year um, I'll probably, breaking news no nah, not even that man uh, I've always I think I've probably wanted to transition into something a bit more I don't want to say mainstream because that's not really. You were talking it. about moving it away from just the. Uh, just the, this is what happened in boxing. You know, sometimes you just want to have chats with with your mates. Yeah. Like, just have a conversation. Like, look, you can find out all of this stuff. There are other outlets. So, shouts out to guys that are beyond the, behind the ropes and all that. Just whoever. But, you know, all the guys who are doing the podcast now, like, I do listen, like, the final round and stuff. I dip in and out because I struggle for time. But. They can take this on. I think, being real, we've kind of done our heavy lifting. Like, we've earned the right now to just jump in and out when we feel like it. You know, just say, look, this is what we think. But there's a new breed coming through. They're not necessarily younger breed, but there's a new breed. And let them have their time in the sun. I want to go off and just talk about other stuff. I guess it's just where I'm at in life, where you just want to... You just, Look, we're, all, we're the same generation. We're roughly the same age, right? There's no real outlet for us to to know that it's okay to still want to be interesting, to be fun, to to have thoughts and stuff, because you're you're meant to be professional, you're meant to be a parent, you're meant to be this, you're meant to be that, you're meant to be sensible, and there isn't really an outlet for that, and so maybe that's where I'll head towards. I don't know yet. I'm almost revealing the playbook here, but just something like that, where you can just, you know I mean, if you're if you're a guy in your thirties, like you know, I just want to hear guys who go through the same shit I am and what are the conversations you'd have down the pub that's basically what we do when we sat here and but we've focused it around boxing but what would you sit and talk about in the pub exactly that's the conversations I listen to now yeah because it's interesting and it's informative and it helps you move forward so so I think that's the that's the longer term aim I think now I quite like to just put some guys over if use my platform to get guys over I think the initial wave will just be a lockdown catch-up. So I'll get Umar, Greg, Big Don. Denzel. Yeah, Den's back on there. Um, we, we've obviously had our, our temperature check here. Then I want to get some female boxers. Smoking in. hot was the reading. <laughs> yeah, just get some get some female boxers. Get, just get some people who you can just put over. Ellie, and actually... I want to hear Ellie Scottney. I don't know if, I don't know if Matching will release her to me. I'd happily do one with Elle. Like, I've got a lot of time for Elle. And I think most people first heard the name on this podcast. I think she's a class act. Like, I remember she'd come down to the gym. I always wanted her at Fitzroy Lodge. Um, she's just a class act. Like how she conducts herself. And my God, can she fight. I really, I've never seen her in the ring yet. I just, I like her outside of the ring. She's she's the kind of fighter you want. Like, you know, a lot of women come into boxing and they're one-two merchants. Yeah. 
Ellie's hooks, man. Like, it's hooks, uppercuts. She wants to get stuck in. And I love that about her. That's that real Southeast London, let's just have it. So I think she'll be an entertaining fighter, but she can really go. So I'm really high on her. And there's a girl called Ebony Jones. And oh God, let me hope I don't get in trouble for saying this. So Ebony Jones was a young girl I met. She would have been about 13, maybe, or 14 in 2013, just after the Olympics. And I was watching this girl work with Quinton Schillingford down. He trains guys out of Portsmouth. And there's this girl that was just killing the pads, little girl. And I was like, Jesus, this girl can box. And so she goes through the levels and she's class. She gets into GB. She's in the army. And so she shacks up with this boxer called John Marvin, who boxes for the army in the Philippines. And so I think it's come out that he was domestically abusing her. You know, young girl as well, young impressionable girl. And so she fell out of love with boxing. She gained weight, but she's now back. But if she can hook it all up, I think she's one of those where you're looking at someone special if she can hook it up. So Ebony Jones is another class act. Ellie Scottney got a lot of love for. Those two there are people who I've kind of seen come up. So Why don't you get Rosanna Cox on? I would. Weirdly enough, now that I've been proved right, I don't have an issue. You know, now we can have the conversation about I was right. Now what? You know, she. Now we can have the conversation. But, but I was look, right. she's been pinged. Yeah, but tell tell Steve he can thank me whenever I, I accept pints, but not pork scratchings. Maybe some pretzels, because I said to Steve, stay well, stay well away from this whole thing. It's a it's a disaster that's going to collapse. And he, he looked at me like I was crazy. I was like, Steve, sometimes you just got to trust me. <laughs> because I'd heard things. Look, this is one thing I'll say about Rosanna Cox. She didn't even win a title in New Zealand where there's like three other people who box. She kept getting beaten up by this girl called Megan Marker. So I just went and asked questions. Well, I don't understand. She never actually got a pro license over here. I don't think because of a medical issue. I, no, I no. believe. So, I, she certainly never had a pro fight over here. So she never got pinged under the British Board of Control. She got pinged under England Boxing. She had kept her amateur registration, which oh, made her eligible. It? This is why I didn't understand it. Because I thought if you've never had a pro license, how have you got hold of you? So I have a feeling what she did was if this pro thing isn't going to work, I'm going to go back to the amateur thing. And then she got pinged. Right. She got pinged. So here's a lesson. Follow follow the king of you-know-what. Follow the you-know-what king. Do not be licensed in the country you live in. You can never be tested. Right? <laughs> you can never be tested. That's why, that's why certain world champions do not have a license at the moment because that means you can't get tested. Do you mean like don't have a license in their home nation? Maybe maybe would have handed it back last year, perhaps. Yeah. Um, it may have had issues previously with... Yeah. With certain drug authorities, um, yeah, it's so now you just fight over America, and when you go over there, that you is get wild. I'm bored of this, <laughs> but it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> it is the think about this, right? Right now, I could be a boxer getting ready to fight in Vegas. I don't have a license right now. I could put anything in my veins. No one can come and test me. Yeah. What we found out with Pacquiao. It doesn't matter if you are licensed and it's the night before a fight. I'm getting on an IV drip. And if you walk in, tough shit. Yeah, you just don't walk in. Knock three times. Mental. Right. Right, Andy, you want to pack up and go home? I do want to go go to work. I don't want to go home. I'm home. Sorry, I I want to (laughs) bin it and go to work. Yeah. I don't want to go to work, but... You have to. Shit. Um, Mm, Until that underpants... 
Probably Business the, oh, takes shit, off. I don't even know. Let me see. So if you want, like, probably in about twenty minutes, house, we can do that. Please get in touch. Okay. Um, okay. Well, well, that's it then. Um, we will see you anon because it certainly won't be next week. We'll come back again one day. I think we need yeah. to do an away trip. We need to go to Terry. Yeah. Look. When, when, look, when the streets will call for it again and we'll do it. <laughs> oh, yeah. We need to give the shout out to Willis for, uh, for oh, putting yeah. this out there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Willis, the, it's not yeah. open season. You don't just no, put no, a request no, in and we do it. You can't. Like, he timed it right. Yeah, <laughs> he did. Like, yeah, he did. He did. And we all had the At a time, time of national uncertainty, we just needed to provide some leadership. Because <laughs> <laughs> soon three of us won't be allowed in a room, no matter how many of the co-op's plastic yeah, shields yeah, are Just still. tell Boris, this is all legal. <laughs> man. We're, all, we're all distanced here. Suck my dick, Boris. What's I mean, a game? Is that a, is that a COVID t- uh, testing technique? Or false positives? Can take I, his temperature. Can, how do I take temperature? Put this in your mouth, Boris. <laughs> 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 oh. Right, right, we're out of here. Right, thank you very much for listening and we'll see you later. Bye. Uh. <laughs>